0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver, tire, and service deals today.
1: Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast
2: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us for the next three hours here on 101 ESPN. at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed jeweler. 7 o'clock if you happen to be listening here in the Central Time Zone. 8 o'clock if you're in the Eastern Time Zone. Uh, what? Uh, 6 o'clock in the in the Mountain? Pacific. And then for all of you well, wonderful oh, yeah. people in the Pacific, Pacific Time Zone, it's 5. five. Yeah. 8, 7 Central, 6 Mountain and uh, 5 Pacific for all of you, you, you that get up early at five o'clock. We got Pacific listeners all over the place. All over, yeah, we love yeah. you. Listeners yes. in yeah, Vegas,
4: so. and I'm sure there are some. My uncle is in L.A. He listens. Yeah, yeah.
3: He, we, we got we got, we got a shout out to Kyle. Yeah. Friends Kyle. in the Valley of the Sun. We got We're friends everywhere. In, yeah.
5: Steve yeah. in Tennessee, my yeah. dad. There you go, and Irma. Steve. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> and <laughs> Steve and Steve
3: Irma, welcome
5: to Tennessee.
4: Yes, Steve, I do know Ramon Foster. That's my guy. There we go.
5: So, so I was telling, as soon as Carrie walked in this morning, I was like, "Do you know Ramon Foster?" because my dad obviously loves, I've said this before, loves sports radio. He listens here, listens back in Tennessee, and he was like, Ramon Foster played with CD. You have to ask him about that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Here's what we have coming up, guest-wise, coming up at 7.15, Super Bowl champ and the Battlehawks receivers, Coach Ricky Prohl, one of our favorites, John Kelly, will join us to talk Blues at 8.15 and at 9.15. More Blues with Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. He is our Blues insider. Last night, the Blues played their final home game of 2022-2023. It was a 5-2 loss to Dallas. A little too little too late in terms of losing for the Blues. Come on, boys. You could have done better than that. Um, <laughs> well, We learned the other day that they can get as low as an
4: 8 seed. Or as high that, that was. And, uh, that other that teams, was,
3: other uh, teams had, had to also every, lose. So they're
6: doing their part, right? Other teams had to win games. Yeah, too late though. Yeah. Too little, too late. Yeah. The other teams should've, are better at losing.
4: Should have kept on those seven and eight game losing streaks. Yes, Kerry. So. That's All the right.
3: bottom line. So Dallas scores first, but the Blues come back at 7:44 of the first period. What I like to call Jakob Vrana was the guy who came through with the Blues' first goal of the game in his 11th of the season.
0: Bring it over to Robert Thomas. Center, shoot, score! Verona, power play goal, and a cross-ice feed from Thomas. The Blues get the power play goal, tie the game at 1. 12-16 to go here in period number one.
3: By the way, Matthew Rocky was going with Yakub. I'm Yacoub. going with Jakub. And he, Verana, told John Kelly and Darren Pang, I don't care.
7: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Jacob, don't what you're calling?" it's you. fine.
3: <laughs> so Pavelski yeah. scores to put Dallas ahead at the 1904 mark of the first period. But amazingly, our guy Robert Thomas comes through.
0: Blues towards the front of the net. Go to the corner. Thomas around DeLandria. Score! What a goal! Walked it in front. Goes under the bar. Ties the game. 2-2. Thomas with his 18th of the year, 19 seconds to go in the period.
3: I still appreciate the, the enthusiasm of one Chris Kerber. Oh, by the way, Dallas scored three in the second, making it 5-2, and they won it 5-2. So
5: the Blues lose. I like how you said that very Just. quick, like the disclaimer <laughs> at the end of like an ad.
3: Oh, by the way.
4: Oh, by the
5: yeah, way, so, these so. are some things to watch out for, some side effects. Right.
4: Uh, <laughs> the the 100,000 lists of side effects that
7: happened. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And the Blues will wrap up their season tonight at Dallas. Pre-game at 6, face-off at 7 with Kerbs and Joey here on 101 ESPN. This season flew by, even though it was kind of dismal.
5: Yeah. Usually things fly by I feel like when you're having a lot of fun. I don't know if there was a lot of fun had no, at, at certain so. points the season. You see the exits of Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, um, and then you had that game last night too where the penalty kill wasn't great as well, but That Robert Thomas goal was really good. I wanted to touch on that. Jordan Cairo actually setting him up for that. And it's funny because when Jordan Cairo got his 30th goal of the season, I asked Robert Thomas about that afterwards. And he was like, yeah, I wish he would. He said this jokingly. I wish he would pass to me more. (laughs) So it was nice to see Jordan Cairo setting up Robert Thomas for once other than the other way around.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, uh, Robert Thomas is a really talented player. He needs to play more. He, we just can't have him hurt all the time. We being the Blues.
4: Oh, we're we.
3: Now. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We're we again. Well, it's the end of the season. All right. I'm not using the Blues golf bag. <laughs> By the way, I kind of lied to the Blues because it, I said if they won the Stanley Cup that I'd use the Blues golf bag forever. It's no. out of oh. commission now. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs>
7: That's yeah. bad. Yeah, I
3: know. But it's their fault. I think Brooke hit on something. Oh, yeah, if you don't like it, play better. Play better. I
4: think, Brooke, you hit on something that, that has been one of the topics for... I don't know, seems like every single night is the, p- the penalty kill. The the three goals allowed on out of five opportunities. Just not doing what needs to be done. And I think that's been the, the theme all year long. Defensively, how well, yeah. how much effort are you willing to give? When you look at this team right now, it's going to be interesting to see how the offseason plays out, how guys mature, how guys grow into that leadership role. Do they grow into that leadership role? There are expectations for Robert Thomas, to, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo to be leaders of this team going forward. How do they mature in the offseason to become those leaders that are needed to win championships?
3: And I want to say this with all due respect, Craig McTavish coaches a different game than what the NHL plays right now. Craig McTavish 10 years ago was a really good coach, but he hadn't coached in a while when he took over for Jim Montgomery. He was one of the most cutting edge coaches in all of hockey. He works with young players very well systemically, schematically. Jim Montgomery is, he's cutting edge. They've got a guy in Craig McTavish, really good experienced guy that just doesn't coach the way the players now need to be coached. And that's something that the Blues They messed up on him because they thought that he would be more advanced. He's not. And that's a big problem with their PK.
5: Yeah. I mean, with special teams, too. Okay. Last night in particular, you give up three power play goals. Three power play goals. That is the eighth time in the past nine games that St. Louis has allowed at least one power play goal to the opposition. That stuff, is you just can't have it happen. And the fact that you had it, it's really clear, too. And nothing against McTavish. I think that, obviously, he has a great rapport with the players, Mm -hmm. with the coaching staff. He's very well respected. Sometimes, as you mentioned, it's more of the direction that the team is going. And this is the playing style that they're going to do moving forward and finding what works. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jim Montgomery exits and then you're having your special teams going from one of the best in the league To struggling like this here in the end. It's
3: not unlike Jeff Fisher when he took over with the Rams. The game had kind of passed him by. I
5: think think
4: it's twofold. I think there is a way to look at what a coach can do, but also I've been a player. I've been in those meetings. I've sat in in rooms where your team or your teammates aren't performing well enough, and I've had coaches tell me over and over and over again, hey, we got to be better in this area, and for whatever reason... It just never clicks. So I, I won't ever put all of the blame on a coach. I think, you know, you give them, as a coach, you give your players the the, the, the orders and what they need to do and how they need mm-hmm. to do it. You give them the tools, uh, the recipe for how to have success. But at the end of the day, the players have to be the ones committed to having that success yeah. and using that recipe. And if they don't, they're not going to succeed. And and then coaches get fired because exactly. of it. Yep. It, yeah. it, it's part of the game. But it, it players get fired as well. Mm-hmm. But it's part of the game. If you if you're not performing well, and if you can't get your guys to perform well for whatever reason. You're gonna lose your job and eventually they'll lose their job as well. So yeah. hopefully hopefully this offseason
3: there's some 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 things that they can figure out and get it together. Yep. Let's get to the Cardinals game. a couple of their punching bags for us disappointed us yesterday. Jurickson Profar for Colorado hitting a home run off of Jack Flaherty in the bottom of the first, we're thinking, Okay, we got a punching bag. But then in the top of the second, Tyler O'Neill ruins our day.
0: That's when he's at his best when he's driving the ball all over the ballpark swing and a drive crush center field and deep daza is not gonna get that one into the shrubbery we're tied one-to-one
3: okay grudgingly tired of tyler o'neill you did something good we get to the top of the fourth inning goldie aboard nolan at the plate
0: nolan flat out to left he's the dh today he hits that one a mile high left field far going back nolan arenado belts it out of here a two-run homer
3: The Cardinals build the lead to 4-2 before Colorado is able to tie it in the seventh inning. But the Cardinals come right back in the eighth with the other Nolan.
0: Swing, fly ball, well hit left. That ball's got a chance. The ball is gone! Another two-run homer for Nolan Gorman, and the Cardinals are back in front.
3: Paul Goldschmidt doubled home a run, and he doubled home a guy who set a
0: major league record. Broken back. Get through, baby. It will. Walker is aboard. 12 in a row. And you got to go back to 1912 for a rookie to do what Jordan Walker just did.
3: See you, Eddie Murphy. Well, he joins <laughs> Eddie Murphy with hits in his first 12 major league games. He's remarkable. The other part of this, guys, is that Jack Flaherty went five and a third. He did throw 85 pitches, but he only allowed two runs in Colorado. Uh, only one of those runs was earned. He struck out six and he only walked one. What do you think's going on with Jack Flaherty? There's a problem there.
5: He
7: figures some clarity. things out. You, Where's your
3: Irish Could there be a more Irish guy than Jack Flaherty?
5: <laughs> no, he looked. I mean, yeah, he, he looked really good. And the fact that he was able to do that too at Coors Field. I think says a lot as well because you didn't know going into that one. We saw what happened to Miles Michaelis. We saw Miles Michaelis' career ERA in there. It's not exactly the best place for pitchers, but he looked so confident i want to say assertive too on the mound he just looked really comfortable in what he was doing his cutter and slider looked really good as well i put this in my notes guys which one do you like better it looked like a cake walk for him or it looked like a walk in the park for him you see what i'm doing there oh
3: yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, i I would say i like walk in the park yeah in in that particular setting it kind of looks like a park yeah
4: yes I, i think um you know just the fact that that Hopefully, we're starting to, you know, you win a couple of games in a row and guys are starting to perform better and do better. Andre Pellante got in, came in and did did no one inning, no hits, no walks, nothing. A clean inning compared to what he did his last time out. You're starting to see guys get better and do better. Um, And that's kind of the expectation as the season goes along. Randy, Brooke, this lineup for me, (laughs) you have a real problem on your hand, but it's a good problem. You got guys that can every single day are gonna make some plays and, and make some hits, and you gotta figure out what this lineup is gonna be. And you said you think it's gonna be fluid all season long, which I hate, because I think you should have one set lineup and you you should have guys knowing where they're batting every single day. But if if they're all going to you know, Juan Yepes had a day the other day. Mm-hmm. Noah Gorman has a day. Tyler O'Neill is hitting. Alec Burleson has done a great job. You got guys, and we still haven't seen Lars Newtbar, who was projected to be the starting left fielder, right fielder, whatever it was, before the season began. You got a lot of guys that are, are able to do some things, so it's going to be fun to
3: watch. Yeah, they're going to be... It's going to be interesting because there's going to be guys if they do have the same same lineup every day. Well, we're going to be asking Ali. Well, why is why is he not playing? Why is he not playing? Yeah, because you've got to get these guys at bats. Cardinals win by a score of seven to four over the Rockies, and they will welcome the Pittsburgh Pirates to town for a four gamer starting tonight at the ballpark. Okay, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Your St. Louis BattleHawks back in action this weekend, trying to clinch a playoff spot against Seattle, and our friend BattleHawks wide receiver coach Ricky Prold. Joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Rimsley Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN Sunday at 2 at the Dome. The St. Louis Battlehawks can clinch an XFL playoff spot with a win over the Seattle Sea Dragons. And joining us now here on the opening drive is our friend, former Ram, another Super Bowl champ, and of course, the wide receivers coach for your Battlehawks, Ricky Prol. Ricky, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. How you doing? Doing great. Always good to hear your voice. I want to start with this. You have some players. Hakeem Butler is third in the XFL in receptions. Darius Shepard is fifth. You got some really good stories that have unfolded. And you have to be so proud as, as the coach of those guys with the way that they have been able to produce this year. Not just those, but your entire crew.
8: Yeah, I, I'm very proud. Uh, these guys have been nothing short of amazing. I mean, they've just been a great group to coach. Um, have worked hard since day one, and it, it's just—I'm proud of them as a group. I just, you know, so many things you learn in my 17-year career playing with great players, and, and obviously the Rams being one of them. And, and I think of Isaac and Torrey and Oz and Marshall, and just how we played the game, and, and really what I learned from those guys and, and that group is we just—we learned to play selfless, and, and uh, you know, there's only one football, and wide receiver is one of the toughest positions. To coach, one of the toughest positions to play because you don't have control of getting the ball. And it's depending on the defense and the reads of the quarterback. And uh, these guys have played for each other. They supported each other. And it's, uh, I couldn't be prouder of a group of guys.
5: Ricky, I mean, one of my favorite storylines this season is watching you and Austin working together, especially back in February when he was able to catch that game winner, just seeing that celebration with you two. What has it been like being able to work with your son in
8: this? It's been awesome. Um, You know, and and I'd be lying if if I said it wasn't hard at times. um, (laughs) Just because I know – We've got a great relationship, and and, and like any father, son, you have your ups and downs, you have your disagreements, but he's been great. He's been uh, willing to learn. I think he respects um, dad as a coach, um, as a player, and and as a dad. And and I think it's been a transition for both of us, but it's been such a positive experience. Um, You know, I'm proud of him. You know, I think as a dad, sometimes you get caught up and you want him to do so well. and I know he's had frustrations during the course of the season where he's been open, and for whatever reason, the ball hasn't gotten to him. And, and, um, and that's part of the position, and that's part of life. And, and, and that's what's so great about this game. You learn so many life skills through sports. So to be a dad and be there with him and be able to support him and, and um, be there for him during those tough times has is, is been, is been wonderful. And, and, and then the exciting times to see him have that success and make some clutch catches, when we needed it it's been so much fun to be there
4: Ricky, we had Isaac on yesterday and he talked about, you know, you all obviously had great games on Sundays and Mondays, but he spoke about the preparation uh, that you all had in and, and the meeting room. So I want you to take me into into those meeting rooms with yourself, <laughs> Isaac, Tory, Oz. And now remember, Ricky, the statute of limitations has passed. You can give <laughs> us details who was sleeping, who was who was engaged completely. Who's the jokester? How were those meetings with you all, you know, in preparation for for Sunday and Monday?
8: Um, those may, those meetings were unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I just preface before I got to St. Louis and, and obviously 98 was a tough season for all of us, but I, you know, when you play like I did on some really bad teams prior to that 99 Ram team, you learn to be selfish. I mean, I hate to say, and all receivers mm-hmm. have some kind of, you know, they want the ball and, and you want to put up stats because you want to build your career and, and the one thing I love about that Ram team, and, and Isaac was a little selfish. I was selfish. Um, uh, Oz was selfish. And I think the biggest thing I, I really, Tori Holt, as a young guy, green as green can be, just happy to be there, um, really helped bring us together as a rookie, to be honest with you. Because I think Isaac learned that, do I want to catch 115 balls and go to the Pro Bowl, or do I want to catch 80 balls and spread the wealth amongst the guys and go to the Super Bowl and be world champions? And so those meeting rooms were about relationships and about learning who was the jokester, which was Ricky, who was the serious (laughs) guy, sometimes with Isaac. Tori was a a fun-loving dude. Oz was unbelievable. But we learned... It was a brotherhood, and, and it was the most bonding experience I ever had as a professional athlete, um, just learning to be selfless, learning to play for each other. And one of the, the most memorable experiences I have was 2001 when – I won't say his name, but a reporter came in and wanted to do a story on the greatest show on turf, the receivers, Marshall and Kurt, and they didn't include me. Hmm. And Oz, and Isaac and Tori and Marshall – And Kurt said, where's Ricky? And they said, well, we're just going to do this with you guys. And and he said, no, Ricky's as big a part of this group as anybody. We're not doing this story unless he's in the story. And and that just resonated so much about what this team was about, what this group of guys were about. And uh, so, yeah, football is about X's and O's. It's about preparation for Sundays, but it's also about the relationships and the bond you form that makes you play better on Sunday and prepare together. So did I answer your question? I don't know. But (laughs) it's good stuff. Good
3: stuff. Hey, Ricky, you have a unique perspective as as the Battlehawks get ready to take on Seattle on Sunday at the Dome because you played in the NFL, coached in the NFL. Now you're coaching in the XFL. How close are these receivers that you're coaching now to being NFL players? What's the difference between an XFL wide receiver and an NFL wide receiver?
8: Opportunity. Hmm. You know, these guys, these guys can play. And I'm not saying they're, some of them may not be the alpha, you know, the Isaac Bruce or the Torrey Holt, but they can play. Um, they just need the opportunity. And I think some of these guys have been scarred. They've come in there as rookies and maybe they didn't have the success early and they were beat down and, and lost some of their confidence and, and didn't play up to their capability. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do as a coach is, is trying to get them, bring their confidence back get them to play freely not be really afraid to make mistakes and and that's what's happening these guys are are having fun and uh doing something they love doing
4: you talk about confidence and and really i tell people all the time there's a lot of great athletes the thing that separates them is their mental ability to lock in and their confidence how do you instill more confidence in a guy that may be lacking it and that may be the one thing that is keeping them from having success
8: well, I think it's learning how to compartmentalize. Just you know, when when you come into a meeting room, how do you learn? Is it are you a visual learner? Do you need to write it down? Do you, you know it's it's understanding individuals. It's like your kids. You treat you know you you know you treat your kids different. Um, and these guys are the same. You know, there's some coaches that hey, everybody's I'm gonna treat everybody the same, from the best player to the worst player. You're gonna get treated the same. I don't agree with that. I think there's different guys. You got to get to learn know these, these guys as people and what what triggers and what makes them tick. And um, and to me, it's it's a great deal is, is learning. If they know what they're doing and they can line up and play, their athleticism is going to come out. They're going to be able to make plays. You're give, putting them in the best position to make plays when they know what they're doing, when they're confident in what they're doing. Because if they're not and they're out there thinking, they're not going to be the players that they can be. And, and that's what I try to do as a coach is, is try to understand who they are, what triggers them, um, what gets them to focus. And a lot of that is it's a different hey, It is such a different day and age in, in, in the meeting rooms. Like, you know, we were no, you know, obviously when I first got to league, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the different social media and all that distractions that come with meeting rooms. I mean, we give these guys breaks every fifteen minutes, but we play music during the mi- music during the meetings. I mean, that would never be tolerated that's when I play. You kidding me? DB wouldn't allow I mean, that. We got mu- we- No, are no, you kidding me? Vermeer, Vermeer would be like, "What is going on?" I mean, we got music playing during practice. We got music playing during meetings. I mean, it's just the way it is now. And I've, under- you know, you you got to you got to be able to uh, to to go with the times, and and those are the times right now. But it's. Uh, it's a a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, you got to be able to evolve.
5: Well, speaking of fun, we have to ask you about the fans there. Having played in the Dome, seeing the fans just packing the Dome now and the way that they're dressing up, I mean, cheering you guys on, what has it just been like? Have you been able to just take that in?
8: Words can't even describe. I mean, for me, for me, I've got a, a it's personal for me because of the fans and how wonderful they've been to me. I mean, I feel like I'm from St. Louis. St. Louis is the fans are like family to me, and it's been so um, exciting to come into that place. and And the support they've given our players and our league has been amazing. I, I almost think it's an advantage because the other teams love to come in and play in St. Louis because the environment is is what they dream about. And and um, thank you, St. Louis. Thank you for the support you've given. The Battle Hawks and this league, it's been truly amazing. Well, we love having the
3: Battle Hawks here. Obviously, the fans are into it. Still tickets available for this weekend. Hopefully a playoff clincher against Seattle. And its I, I know you, Ricky, it's going to be one step at a time. You, you can think about playoffs, but you better not focus on them. You better focus on Seattle this weekend, right? No,
8: I told our guys this winner go home. We got to win this game. We have to win this game. And that's got to be our mindset.
3: Hey, have a great day. Have a great time. And we'll talk to you soon, Ricky. Thanks so much for the time.
8: Thank you so much, guys. Pleasure to talk to you. See you later. That is Ricky Prohl joining
3: us here on 101 ESPN. Isaac Bruce says the the biggest catch of his career was made by number 87 (laughs) in the end zone in the 1999 NFC Championship game. And Ricky, in addition, you hear what a great guy he is, just as an interview subject, but one of the most philanthropic, charitable guys Mm -hmm. that you could ever run across in the NFL. Kerry, you know, because you are one of those guys, too, Uh, but you know the guys that are doing it, just out of the goodness of their heart and he's one of those guys
4: yeah I think as professional athletes it was for me it was always important to give back because I was once a kid waiting at the gate to watch Willie McGee drive off in his car or Ozzy Smith mm-hmm. drive off in his car and I thought it was so cool um, and to be able to give back to kids that are fans or, of you or have watched you I think that's the important part of, of being a professional athlete giving back to those young people so that they can aspire to be something great in their in, in their lives
5: yeah I, I just love to seeing him and he was talking about about working with the son. How about how honest that is? I couldn't imagine how, oh. how hard it's. You're already yeah. ma- managing young athletes, but then your child on top of that. Listen,
4: Brooke, <laughs> me and my son have had conversations. I've had to explain to him when we go to do a sporting event, I am Coach Davis. I am no longer dad and you will be treated <laughs> as such. You hear how I talk to my kids that I coach. You are now one of them. Here we go. Let's get to it. <laughs> and by the
3: way, Ricky mentioned that I didn't get a chance and so maybe at some point we can talk to him about this. There was a game here in 2002, and Marty Schottenheimer, who coached at a place where they put on their scoreboard the loudest stadium in football, Arrowhead Stadium, Marty Schottenheimer came in here with his Chargers in 2002 and said after the game of the crowd at the Dome, their crowd deserves a significant portion of the success. He said, I've never been in an arena that had the kind of crowd noise that they had today. It's a tribute to their fans. It was very, very, very difficult for us. That's Marty Schottenheimer, who coached the, the Chiefs, to great success mm-hmm. at Arrowhead, saying that the loudest arena he'd ever been in was the Dome here in St. Louis. Crowds make a difference, and, mm-hmm. I, and,
4: and I I hope that fans truly know that, especially when you're on defense and the opposing team is on offense. It is hard to hear the play in the huddle and then the snap count. You can cause many false starts, many penalties just based on being loud and, and not being able to get that communication.
3: So let's go Battle Hawks on Sunday against Seattle, the Seattle Sea Dragons. Good call. Good call. Uh, and they're calling themselves and they should the act cause because oh, they've come back I to I like win. that. Yeah. So yes. Six six and two, and three of the wins are come from behind variety. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, which is three one four three nine nine ninety-six
7: forty six. Three one four three nine nine Yo oh,
3: Sick of it <laughs> is next on 101 ESPN.
0: The smartest way.
2: You're
1: back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: It is time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. It is 50 degrees outside and it's going to be 68 by 10 in the morning when we get off. Uh... Guys, I'm, i i got to admit, I'm I'm kind of sick of having to work till 10. I wish we could just do 7 <laughs> to 9. So the, the golf course beckons.
4: Oh, that's what it is. Listen, I, I say this with all due respect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sick of working on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Monday through Thursday is more than enough, is it not? Yeah, Friday, you got Friday Saturday,
5: Sunday. I mean, you know what? I would work six, seven days a week here. And no, wow. I have not hit my 90 days yet. <laughs>
3: In, in uh, the, there you go.
7: Well, well, Tip well. Done. Cap.
3: <laughs> so, uh, anyway, it's and I know our, our boss John kiosk is listening. So May second <laughs> is forty years in radio for me. So I think there's wow, got to be awesome. thank you. Uh, but th- as an aside, I think that that should be my. I don't want to watch. I don't want any gifts. I just want to work from seven to nine rather than from seven to ten. Yeah, you just take off the last
4: hour. Just yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, you guys good. can handle it. You guys are great.
3: From here, from henceforth,
4: <laughs> Randy is only on the opening so, drive from so seven. to I nine. hate to say it, but I'm, I'm sick of
5: working. We'll, we'll hear seven. you as soon as nine o'clock hits. We'll just hear you kind of clunking Start, away with is, the golf this clubs. Is how I'm putting
3: yeah. this stuff together. All right, guys. I to no. cut back by thirty-three percent, and I don't want to. I don't want a pay cut either. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Randy, I am sick of the Baltimore Ravens not paying Lamar what he deserves. And here's a here's a man man in myself that has a a a massive disdain for the Baltimore or uh, or Raven. Baltimore Ravens organization. I'm not a fan of them to begin with. So for me to say that they are doing the wrong thing in paying the quarterback the amount you only find one of these guys every 10 to 12 years maybe if you're lucky the Indianapolis Colts have been looking for one for at least 6 or 7 years it feels like since Luck retired they won't give this man the money that he deserves he's done an outstanding job he's won 75% of his games I don't know what more you want you obviously want a championship but once he wins a championship now figure out if you're going to be able to pay him after that
3: and here's the cop: he wants obviously the guaranteed money but how much more and it should be pretty much should Lamar Jackson get than Dak Prescott? Lamar Jackson's way better than Dak Prescott. He is.
4: He is. He is better. He's better than a lot of the guys that have gotten paid. He's better than Kyler Murray. He's better than Russell Wilson. He's better than a lot of these guys right now that have have earned a lot of money. He's better than Deshaun Watson, although, you know, these teams feel like that contract doesn't exist. But every time I Google it, it shows up. It does.
5: (laughs) All right, guys, what I'm sick of specifically, I don't know if you guys saw this last night, giants rogers he kind of threw out his glove after a really bad outing and he also was seen kind of punching the glove as well i'm sick i understand heat of the moment situations
9: but if you if your job
5: depends on your hands and we also saw this in the nba if your job depends on your hands please for the love of god do anything else but use your hands to hit things alex
3: reyes did that one time I Remember know. he broke his hand Jaden McDaniels
4: from the Minnesota Timberwolves just broke his hand in his and his out. And that's the, what I'm saying. Playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's the thing, and we would have to have BT on here because he's told a story about punching himself to sleep, punching himself in the side of the head and 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 blacking out. It, it it's called blackout rage. There are moments where you have no choice but to. Uh, exert that aggression on an object, and you hope that your fist is harder than said object. And sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, you lose. Wait, you don't hear about the stories we, where we, guys we, punch through walls because their hands are fine. We have no choice. Is, did you just say we have no choice? Yeah, we have no. Thank we, you. Okay, I feel better <laughs> now. Sometimes the anger and rage it, it, it overcomes you, and you have to you have to get that out, otherwise. If you keep it in, you'll
5: explode. Why why not just like kick something? Because then you could break your toe. But then if your job involves your hands, I would rather that.
3: Here's the thing. And obviously my job doesn't require my hands. But there was several years ago, I believe I was angry at a car dealership and I punched out a phone. (laughs) And and destroyed a phone. And I had to get a new phone.
4: I told you I broke you get my it? computer. Yeah, oh. I <laughs> know the computer. You, you coaches? Yes. I, did I tell you that Brooke? Yes. Year? I, I, yeah. This is a new. This, this is, is a new, new laptop. One. It looks great. It's brand new. You needed yeah. an upgrade anyways. I did need an upgrade. Yeah.
5: So, I had had enough. So maybe, maybe here is the solution. Every team should have a smash room, like nearby. I want to do that. So that you could, uh, okay, like yes. over by the locker room. <laughs> go, go run to that little room, and here's your little <laughs> hammer, and you smash something. I I would love
6: to do that. There you go. Problem
5: solved. I create an invention. Teams hire me to consult for you you and pay me like a million a year. It's fine. (laughs)
3: Let's get a couple of texts, Matthew. What do you got? (laughs)
6: I'm sick of Jordan Walker batting at the bottom of the lineup. Move him up.
3: I'm ready. So, you move him up, and then all of a sudden he doesn't get a hit. And how do you feel about yourself? Okay, so you got to oh, well, wait why till do you he. you think that's you know,
4: going to happen? I, Randy, what are you what is that?
3: He's, yeah, he's hitting in 162. I
4: mean, eventually he's not going to have a hit, right? At some point. Some point. <laughs> we just don't know when that point is, but at some point he's going to go over for, for the day. Yep.
5: You see, see. I, I, I'm going to agree with this texture because we were talking about this earlier during the break. Wilson Contreras, not doing great right now. I think 100% he can turn things around. But you move up the guys who are producing, like a Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman even, and maybe Wilson Contreras takes that 8th spot?
3: Um, I don't know if he has... I I, I don't know if you want to... Dem, and this is a part of it. Do you want to demote your $80 million free agent pickup to the 8th spot in the order? The guy that you yeah. signed for his offense. Especially after 12 games. You Is that... I guess change of
5: scenery. Of no with the eight <laughs> is all I'm yeah. saying.'ll <laughs>
3: be I think they'll be they'll be able to score runs.
6: I'm sick of allergies. The weather has been perfect, but I can't sit outside without sneezing, having itchy eyes or a runny nose, sick of it. Oh my God,
5: I oh. I'm gonna say, and my dog has allergies too, which is not oh, something oh, I was expecting. Really? so she has like runny. Yes, uh, yeah, I guess she German. Nix. She's a German Shepherd mix. They get bad allergies. We put her on some medication, all that stuff. But she she gets like this time of year, really runny eye boogers every hmm, morning. So she thing. wants to come give you kisses, and there's just eye boogers everywhere.
3: <laughs> oh man,
6: yeah, <laughs> they're not great. Just like mom, poor you thing. know. Yeah. I, I have allergies too. Yeah. Uh, sick of it, how many places in the standings the Blues lost by having gaining by gaining points late down the stretch? What could have been a 7th overall looks more like a 12th overall. Don't worry, it could be no worth of being in the 11th spot of the lottery. Obviously the lottery can go poorly for you, and you can move down a spot or two. Um, but technically they could, if a bunch of team wins games they're not going to win, yeah, and the Blues lose, they could get as high as 8th.
3: Yeah, I just, so I, I, I'm just i not a fan. I know Kerry Car- is uh, one of those guys who says you play to win the game. You yeah. play
6: to win you need the game. The Blues need to lose Game 82, and they need the Canucks, Red Wings, and Capitals to win Game 82, including the Capitals winning it in regulation for them to get as high as the eighth spot. So I mean, they could have,
4: uh, here's the thing. You could have gotten much lower earlier if you'd have taken care of business or not taken care of business, but uh, those players want to win. Hello?
0: you play to win the game you don't play to just play it <laughs> that's the great thing about sports
4: there you go harm said it best i'm what, telling
3: you what, that's <laughs> that stretch between march 17th and uh, march 25th where they won four or five, was devastating yeah got what a point in every one of those games they killed them
6: what about playing to win the lottery Let me ask you a question. How many
2: people do you know in in, in life?
4: Good point. In life, everyone in this room. How many people do you know have
3: won the lottery?
5: Um,
4: well, like, one big of, not, like, like the, the hundred million dollar oh, powerball zero,
3: zero. But I do have a friend whose dad oh, zero. won a okay, million dollars in the scratchers. That's
4: Ooh. that's that those things happen. Did mm-hmm. you see the guy? But you know, more people that didn't win yeah. than did.
5: Did you see the guy that won that? What was the, the last big one that was like a billion or something like that? He did the lump sum and now has bought a bunch of property in California, really.
3: In That's, California, so he's basically buying oceans.
5: And he got the lump sum, so he's it's like California off, huh? just got like a bunch of money. <laughs> he yeah. Bought ocean, ocean,
3: bought <laughs> yeah. an ocean. Nice going, buddy. <laughs> One
6: more. I'm sick of Randy's predictions
3: not being correct. The Cardinals were supposed to be in first place. I never said. You didn't
5: put a time on it.
3: No, I didn't. I just said that they will be really good. And I think we, the one that I might miss out on that Carrie roped me into was the eight runs a game.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really close. Right? Yeah, we're, we're halfway <laughs> home. There you go. Yeah, We're working here. By the way, this is unbelievable.
3: <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays are pretty good. They're averaging 7.67 runs a game. The Tampa Bay Rays, again, are averaging 7.67 runs a game. Their ERA is 2.17. They've scored the most runs, and they've allowed the fewest.
4: Yeah.
3: That's pretty good. Yeah, and they don't have a payroll near what the uh-huh. Cards, Cubs, Yankees, so, Mets, T- Rays. So everybody's going to go in that route. It's all about being smart. Yeah, yeah it the, is. And the Dodgers have kind of gone that route, but spent money too. But the Rays are better than anybody. Thank you very much for your text. We do have more texts coming up. 314-399-9646. 314 314-399. 399 We've got Take It or Leave It next on 101
1: ESPN. To the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for
1: Take It or Leave
0: It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your
1: text into 314 399 9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It.
2: Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's
0: my final author Take it or leave it. Brooke, Carrie,
3: Randy, and Matthew, Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. And guys, I'll get things started. Last July, there were a lot of people that were disappointed that the Cardinals didn't pay Washington's asking price for Juan Soto. Take it or leave it right now. You would give up. Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Dylan Carlson, and Nolan Gorman for Juan Soto. Leave it. (laughs) Leave it. That's what they wanted.
6: Yeah, leave you yeah, got no.
3: that. Hmm? I'm leaving that.
6: Okay.
4: we got to leave that. Yeah, okay. Four starters potentially there. <laughs> yeah. It was just
5: it, it was too much, like especially with the what the talent level that you were asking for.
3: But the Padres kind of went there though with what they gave up. They, with they gave up CJ Abr- uh, CJ Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, uh Robert Hassel and James Wood. And Hassel and Wood are right there as prospects with Jordan Walker Mason Wood. And then uh, they, they gave up uh, obviously Mackenzie Gore. The Cardinals couldn't have matched that with, with a pitcher. But I, I'm with you. I would leave it. There's absolutely, and I said it at the time, you can't give up all of that control for what might be two and a half years of a player or two years of a player. I wouldn't do it today. I'm not so sure based on what their contract status and the, the fact that Juan Soto is a Scott Boris agent, would I trade six years of Jordan Walker straight up for two years of Juan Soto? I don't think I would. No. Not at all. So we were talking about
4: blackout rage and exerting force at times. Brooke, take it or leave it. There are times after the 830 fight that Randy needs to exert some blackout rage energy.
5: (laughs) Yes. Also, just want to throw this. (laughs) Yes. We need to have... I can't say because some somebody (laughs) kindly pointed out that I can't say smash room anymore because of the other meanings behind it. So a rage room. How about that?
4: Rage room. We need one
5: in in the corner over there.
4: Randy's rage room. That's so. uh, And then a picture of
5: Rockyo's face. Two quick things. Let's
3: let's get to the smash room first. Staring at me Uh, with the smash room. early on, Michelle and I started during the pandemic, and we were going to start a book club, a baseball book club. Okay. And Michelle decided to go with the hashtag BBC. Oh, <laughs> no.
6: No. <laughs> no, get away from that. Don't do it.
3: Don't do it. So that's one thing. That's a hashtag you do want to stay away from. Yes. That's it's hash- yes. And the other thing is, Mike Ryder will tell you the story. BT will tell you the story. One time I did have a phone Slip out of my hand <laughs> and go right past Ryder's head. Oh! <laughs> because I was upset here. Yeah, there was.
5: He was, he was you he had, he had was a Naomi Campbell. Answer. There was. It him.
4: was a. It was a. It was a. It was a co-host.
3: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, so my phone uh, just it, it, it kind of slipped just out split. of my head and, and zipped right past Ryder's head. I and think, everybody's looking at me like my eyes wide open. What the hell
5: That's what Naomi Campbell said, right? You, you just had one of those moments. Yeah. Remember when she had that with uh, her assistant?
3: Yeah. It,
4: it
5: happens.
3: It happens. It's called Blackout Rage.
5: Yes.
4: And, and if you're blacked out, you don't know what's taking place. So it's not really your fault.
3: No, no it's, not, it's not you.
4: It is not you. It is a, court of law, I was not there in that moment. I was actually watching myself perform from these above, acts. From above. I wasn't actually doing it. I was watching it. I've
5: watched myself you're a like... few times. And, oh, my God. Stop. Stop. No. Yeah. Looking for a bubble. Like, huh, that person's going crazy. A, oh, I wait, a, that's me. I get a message. message.
4: Message from Rock saying, no poking the bear. My apologies, Rock.
1: Oh. Love (laughs) you.
5: Just setting the
4: tone for for today's fight.
1: You already got the questions, huh? Thanks a lot, buddy.
6: (laughs) It's like, hey, what happens if you what happens if you just like you know kick this hornet's nest?
4: Oh, you better run fast. Look, did you already go? You didn't go, did you?
5: No, I had a gun. Here we oh go. okay. <laughs>
4: headphones are don't wipe this out. I can't.
5: please don't. I also took it. Oh my God.
4: <laughs>
5: I also had a rage incident. No, I'm kidding. Oh. Um I keep for- I keep forgetting every single day to buy new headphones. I took a, like a three hour nap yesterday Somebody. and I <laughs> meant to go buy new headphones. Phones <laughs> and if you guys, maybe I'll, I'll put out a, a picture. picture. I don't know. I'm do, embarrassed. On, I'm, no, don't take a picture oh, of me. No, here. I feel very vulnerable right now. Uh, you gotta take over. Like no.
4: Uh, no, Randy's literally coming them, She took them off. No, I. <laughs> and covered her face up.
5: I feel ashamed.
4: <laughs> <sorry>. These things <laughs> are like it, it looks better when you have it on your head because it it's, it's it's funny. it's hanging off one side. Like I just looked over. I'm like, is going on?
5: I, I tried to tape it up so you guys wouldn't
4: notice.
6: The best part is that this <laughs> happened yesterday is that I I I started oh, laughing wow. during the show because I looked over and she had the headphones <laughs> the way like to Just, make it both ears on it looks like she had like an extra like bump in her oh head oh my goodness
5: <laughs> okay, bit. it's just okay uh, so look take it or leave it here yeah um take it or leave it i need to buy new headphones take yeah, yeah, yeah. Take okay it's take it five below.
1: <laughs> yes. five, five below has
3: a million headphones no, it might only last for four or five months but they're still i
5: know good. i just i was meant to do it yesterday took a long nap but it was one of those naps where you're like what day is it and yeah. then it's like it's already freaking nighttime. but yeah. my real take it or leave it guys real one matthew libatore last night Ten strikeouts, seven innings. Take it or leave it. We'll see him soon. I feel like I take keep it. saying this. Yep. You have, have to
3: bring it. him up. He hasn't allowed a run yet this season, has he? Did he allow one last night?
5: Um, He gave up, let me see.
3: Because his uh, ERA going it. into yesterday was 0.00 in two starts. He gave
5: up two earned runs. Okay,
3: so still his ERA is probably below Off one. Off of one hit. Yeah, pretty good. All right, what do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. If Lamar goes back to the Ravens with
6: OBJ, Bateman, Andrews, and Dobbins, they become the most lethal offense in the NFL. Oh, uh, the I most see. important part might be the new offensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't know. I
4: push. I don't know. I had the. I still like what what Miami has with with. I mean, obviously what San Francisco has offensively, Jalen Hurts and and those guys in Philly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some explosive offenses. So, I would say right there. I, I'm not going to. I wouldn't say the most lethal.
3: Downgrade the Chiefs quite yet. Either. Oh yeah, I forgot about those guys.
6: Yeah. I mean, they only. Eh, eh.
4: Yeah, we'll see.
6: <laughs> the Blues, take it or leave it, the Blues penalty kill is the only one trying to lose hard for Bedard. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take it. yeah. <laughs> Whatever's going on there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> take it or leave it, Rana outprices himself out of a contract extension with this play next season. Uh, Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take uh, it. He's gonna,
3: when, he, when he scores 50, mm. I guess they're going to have to sign him, huh? When he scores yes. 50.
4: I'm gonna leave it. There. He'll he'll be here, if he plays
6: as well as he did in his short stint.
5: Seems like he likes it.
6: Yeah, loves us. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals have a problem with playing Mr. Juan Yepes.
3: Uh, it, well, it's difficult when you have everybody. Both, yeah, everybody hitting. Yeah.
4: yeah. Where is he gonna play? Would be the question. Obviously, DH outfield is is essentially out of the question because you got so many very good outfielders. Oh so many outfielders I don't know they can actually play the outfield they can actually play the outfield um, I mean can he play third base give uh, him, no. give, you know. okay no, well he's, I mean, he's,
3: he's uh, first base he, he's uh, he and, as first as a base. third base when he makes a pretty good DH
6: <laughs> Randy I'm
3: just do it here
6: <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> reminds me of what Greg said last year about Nolan Gorman people when they ask him How, how's, he, how's his defense man he can hit <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. So, your- yeah yep his he's uh, DH okay <laughs>
6: All right. Take it or leave it, Aaron Rodgers takes the Jets to the playoffs. Oh. Uh, take takes the Jets to the playoffs. Well, he's got to be a Jet
4: first. And we're still waiting on that. I'll take it whenever he gets there. I don't know if he's gonna go. If I'm the Jets, I'm not in a rush to sign or 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 pass, you know, give up so much, so many draft picks to the to the to the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have a decision to make. They are the ones that are in trouble in this they have to either trade him or release him or keep him on the roster In all of those scenarios aaron Rodgers wins but
3: if he doesn't show up he doesn't get paid
4: he's gonna show up why wouldn't he show up brandy i agree would they? i 60 million dollars i'm gonna Is he? i'll be standing right there with a note clip with a clipboard if you want me to <laughs> he's gonna be there he's gonna be in the meetings or they're going to send him home and then they have to continue to pay him either way. So
3: Aaron Rodgers is is clearly he's, but he's he's already said that he intends to play for the Jets. Yeah. He's he's coming back to Green Bay with his tail between his legs if he if he returns to Green Bay. Not necessarily. He thinks <laughs> he has all the juice, but he doesn't.
4: I think he does because I think that the 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 Packers have to trade him or they have to let him go. Because they have to see what Jordan Love has. He's going into his fourth year. They have to know if they can pick up the fifth-year option, if he's going to be their quarterback for the future, or if they need to draft another quarterback. They can't keep Aaron Rodgers on the roster. And if they do, for whatever obscene, unreasonable
3: reason, they're going to have to pay him. I would just be really surprised if he would ever set foot in Packers camp again.
4: I, If you don't want to trade me and you want me to be here and you're going to pay me $60
3: million to watch, cool. And I think what will happen, what will ultimately happen, is the ownership will take over these negotiations. The, the GMs won't make this deal. It'll be Woody Johnson or Mark Murphy that will make this deal.
4: If the Jets don't blink, they are at an advantage. Now they have to be comfortable with... Starting Zach Wilson, if it mm-hmm. comes down to that. Yep. And, th- th- and that's and, the question. And,
3: and you've got a general manager whose job will be on the line.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But I'm not giving up that many that
3: much draft capital for a guy that's going to play one yep. year. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Jack Flaherty with a pretty good outing yesterday. What do you think of what he's done? He's 14th in the National League in her run average. Pretty good. Earned run average of a run and a half a game. Not bad. Talk about it next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take.
2: Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
3: 15 teams in the National League and five starters for each team nominally that's about 75 starters that you have in the National League and right now the Cardinals Jack Flaherty is 10th in earned run average at 1.76 in 15 and a third innings he's allowed only nine hits he struck out 13 he has walked an alarmingly high National League leading 14 but Overall, would you rather have Jack Flaherty with the 14 walks and the 1.5 earned run average, or would you rather have a guy with, like, one walk and an earned run average of six? I'll take the guy that
4: has the better better ERA. I agree. um, He's, uh, fortunately, even though with all of those walks, not had many runs scored on him, generally when you walk a lot of guys, those guys come around to score uh, his first game of the year. He didn't give up any hits. He had a, a, I don't want to say stellar game because he did walk seven batters, but... A really good game and did, did pretty good. And so, you know, surprisingly, not many runs given up. Done a, done an okay job. I think he's still – what Jack Flaherty, his expectations are and what our expectations are of him, I think, are greater than what he's performed at right
3: now. It's been good, but I think he thinks and we think he's going to be great. By the way, here's a comp for you. Corbin Burns is a superb pitcher. I'd love to have him on our team. He has two walks this season and a 5.19 ERA. Okay, So – and by the way Jack's whip is also in the top 10 which surprisingly Mm -hmm. at 1.5 14th actually in the National League but uh, Jack has pitched pretty well now Adam Wainwright talked yesterday to us about what a difference having to focus in Coors Field can make for a
9: pitcher I've got to lock in I've got to be super committed to every pitch I've got to get my mechanics in the perfect spot to throw this pitch and and it and it is exhausting. from what you said though it is exhausting I'll tell you that it's uh that total commitment to pitch in there, and the the mindset's the big thing. You know, that you can come out of there. I, I know that's from experience, and maybe it's just naivety. But I think if you just you just have to be fully committed to the adjustments you make there, and believe it, you know, and then you can get out of there. Okay.
5: And Flaherty looked really, really good. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure somebody will on the text line. That was his first ever start at Coors Field. And he looked really assertive and confident. I mentioned this earlier. His cutter and slider looked really, really good as well. I mean, he was making Wilson Contreras really work hard behind the plate as well. But he just looked really confident. And that's what you want to see from, I mean, just one walk. That's huge. That's a step in the right direction for him because as you mentioned CD, he's been kind of lucky thus far. Yeah. And he was Fleury was even asked after the game about pitching in Colorado cuz look, I'll expose myself a little bit. I think if if anybody's been to Colorado, everybody warns you about the altitude sickness and adjusting to that. My first time going to Colorado was last year for the Blues playoffs and I was like, okay, I'm hydrated. I'm ready to go. I'll be fine. I'm an adult. I can handle this. It kicked my butt. It kicked my butt. I was so sick and I I felt winded and all that stuff so it is really impressive what Flaherty did but Flaherty was asked afterwards about pitching Colorado and how it's hard for pitchers to do so and he said there was no real reason to think about the what-ifs of not executing. That just leads to trouble and you start wondering about things. All you can do is keep making pitches. There's no real difference.
3: And Jackie is a forward-thinking he, he is an evolved man and I know a lot of the Cardinal players because they have an in-house team sports psychologist now and my my suspicion is that Jack is probably all in on, on buying into the mental aspect of the game because that's where he's really not been, obviously he's been injured, but when he hasn't pitched well, a lot of it has been because of not dealing with adversity very well. And going into a game thinking that you're going to dominate and then doing so is a big step forward for him.
4: Adversity is is what if you can overcome that <clears throat> as a professional athlete, that's when you know you belong and you are a professional athlete. You're going to face some adversity. and I think that's one of the things when you're such a stellar younger athlete a youth athlete a star in the minors a star in 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 little league and high school and college whatever sports you're playing you don't deal with much adversity but when you get to the major leagues or to the nfl everyone was a star as you were at the lower level so now you're playing against guys that are just as good as you or even better than you and how do you deal with that that not having success for the first time or not being as great as you're accustomed to being it's all mental and, and once you decide or are able to figure out how to overcome that, how to bounce back from having a bad day, that's when you are a professional athlete. And that's when the great, the good players become
3: great. And by the way, guys, it's been almost two full years since Jack Flaherty has been dominant for a stretch. It was the first two months, April and May mm-hmm. of 2021. He led the league in wins when he got hurt, had the oblique injury and really has not had an extended period of pitching since then. So hopefully he'll be able to get a full season in. But I I also have to think that there is some rust with Jack Flaherty as well, simply because he hasn't been, it's kind of been a lurching progression towards getting into a regular routine for him.
5: Well, because we've even talked about, this was kind of his first normal spring training in a while, really, for him. So uh, we know, I mean, pitchers are huge on routines, sticking to that. But we also know this is a huge year for Jack Flaherty, especially contract and money wise, whether he stays with the Cardinals or moves on, whatever happens with that moving forward, he knows that. And it seems like he's taking the right approach now. And what can you ask for him? I mean, through three outings right now, Flaherty has given up three earned runs on nine hits, Of course we know about the walks. He's walked 14 compared to his 13 strikeouts Mm -hmm. thus far. But at least this game, especially the way that he was able to perform in Colorado, you're hoping that that's going to be a step in the right direction. Because at first, when he gave up that leadoff homer to Profar, you're like, oh, oh no, where is this going to go? we Are going to have like a Miles Michaelis situation here? But he was able to really lock in after that. And then he recorded like nine consecutive outs at one point.
4: Do you all have any issue with five innings? That's been five and a five and a third, five innings has been really his his max so far this year. I know that analytics tell you that by the time you get around the lineup the third time, you're mm-hmm. gonna struggle. I'm I, I might be really old school, Randy. i and Brooke, I might be one of those guys that really feel like I want to see pitchers go deep into games, six, seven, eight innings. I loved what uh, Jordan Montgomery did a couple of starts ago, uh, a couple of days ago when he got seven innings. Those are our starting pitcher, quality starts, and those are the things that I want to see. Do you have any concern about him only pitching five?
3: I know that he's done it in the past. He's been a guy that has gone deep into games. I don't know if his health, and obviously the walks are a part of this, Yeah, I, I don't know if his health – will pre- prevent him from being able to go deep. But if, if he turns the six and seven walk games into two walk games, then all of a sudden he's saving himself so many pitches that he can get through yeah. seven rather than five and a third.
4: Because yeah. even, even at those five innings, he's 85 pitches, yeah. 94, 95 pitches in five innings. That's a lot of pitches for, for a five-inning game.
3: Right. And th- just think about taking four walks off. That's yeah. a, that's at least 24, four, eight, 16 pitches. Yeah. And probably more because you're going to throw some strikes in there too. Mm-hmm. A lot of his... Uh, his walks are on full counts. He's really inefficient that way, and he he just needs to bury like he did yesterday, as you mentioned with the what he, his stuff was yesterday. Brooke. he was burying guys.
5: Yeah, I I think that it is. It's a good point, CD. Of you do get concerned because especially with the bullpen, yeah, you can't you. As we get further into the season, you would like to see your starting pitching go a little bit deeper into games because the bullpen can only do so much, right? And they have been getting to the bullpen a little bit quicker these other teams have and you do worry about that what that that amount of pressure and pitching is going to do to the bullpen for the cardinals because that that is a lot to take this early on but you kind of hope that these guys are going to work up to that point of where they can go deeper into games
3: and Kerry, you talk about old school yeah here's what i want the cardinals to do and i don't i don't care who the pitcher is 1974 not too long ago Not many years ago. 49 years ago. 1974, Mike Marshall, L.A. Dodgers, relief pitcher, 106 games, 208 innings. I want the, the reliever that pitches in 106 games and gives me 208 innings, and oh, by the way, wins the Cy Young Award. There you go. A relief pitcher won the Cy Young Award. He finished 83 games. He had 21 saves, not many saves, but... I I really want the Cardinals to have that guy, the 200-inning relief pitcher. That's what I want them to bring back. Analytics, guys, get on it. (laughs) That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to John Kelly, our final blues booth visit with J.K. of this hockey season. He's next on 101 ESPN
1: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn
2: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers we are talking everything st
1: louis blues as we head into the blues booth presented by boardwalk hardwood floors a proud partner of your st louis blues find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com
3: brooke Grimsley and carrie davis i'm randy Carricker. it's the opening drive on 101 espn your home of the st louis blues and we go to the celebrity line now and our friend the voice of the blues on Bally sports midwest john kelly joins us jk good morning how you doing
10: I'm doing great. How are you guys today?
3: Everything's good, and I, I know you, and I know how much you enjoy being around the team. It's got to bum you out that you guys didn't get the opportunity to do games 81 and 82, that it, that it ended after 80. Usually it ends after the first round of the playoffs for you guys, but uh, that's I uh, got to be frustrating for you as a guy who loves to work.
10: Yeah, quite honest, I wish I did every game, Randy, but that's just the way it goes. And, um, you know, obviously a disappointing end of the season. And, yeah, I'd like to be on the call, you know, last night and tonight. But that's uh, that's the way it goes, Randy. (laughs) What can you say? Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah, I mean, J.K., I know we've talked about this. Just the way that the season went for the Blues, just reflecting on everything as we close things out tonight for the Blues, what can you say about this season? You know, maybe a low point and a high point.
10: Well, certainly the low point was the game losing streak. You know, the Blues had won the first three games, and, you know, game three was a very impressive 3-0 win in Edmonton, or 2-0 win in Edmonton, and then they lose eight in a row. And it was just really out of nowhere because, um, you know, again, the Blues came back this year with basically the same team they had a year ago. Um, you know, whether Perron and Bozak retired and they traded Huso. Um, and then to lose eight in a row, so uncharacteristic for this group um it was a club record eight in a row and then they went seven straight so um what was the high point you know i don't know maybe that road trip in early january i think it gave the the fans and the team some hope uh they won three or four games on the road uh, the only loss on that trip was actually in montreal um the weakest team of the four they played and i think i think you came out of that road trip really enthused and then Shortly thereafter, the Blues had that seven-game homestand, and they went three and four. And they just seemed to be so inconsistent all year long. Um, and, again, it, to me, the number one thing why they miss the playoffs is goals against. And the other thing, and, you know, the guys mentioned it last night on TNT. It was really a, a great point that Eddie Olchek made, along with Keith Jones, is if your special teams are in the top five then you're going to probably have 15 more points than if they aren't. And last year, the Blues special teams were both in the top five. So right now, obviously, the penalty killing that let them down again last night, it's in the bottom five. The power plays, you know, around 20th or 22nd, whatever it is. So if you go by that theory, and I know it's subjective, then if you add 15 points to the Blues record right now, guess what? They're a playoff team. So that's another reason why they missed. Their special teams just weren't good enough this year.
4: We talked earlier. We talked earlier about uh, the loss of Jim Montgomery and and what he brought to this team. Is it as simple as saying that that the loss of him not being here the, to to coach those special teams and be a part of this organization, or is some of the onus have to go on the players and, and just their not their ability or their will to do some of the things that require that were required to to win those games?
10: Well, I, you know, I always say, Kerry, it's always on everybody. And yeah, you know, Jim Montgomery. Um, did a great job, especially on the Blues penalty kill. He's a he's a real master when it comes to penalty killing. Um, but you know he didn't have a big hand on the, in the power play and the success it had last year. Um, but it's it's all on all the coaches and it's on the head coach, of course, Craig Baruby and it's on the players. So it's not just one guy and. Yeah, did the Blues miss Jim Montgomery? Perhaps. I mean, he he's proven to be a pretty good coach. His team just set an NHL record <laughs> for most wins and most points. So the guy knows what he's doing. And he almost upset the Blues in 2019 in the second round when he was coaching Dallas. So, But, you know, you can't look at, oh, the Blues lost Jim Montgomery, so they're going to have a 27-point drop-off or whatever the number's going to be. That That's just not – you know, that's putting way too much um, – you know, not pressure, but that's giving him too, way too much credit. I mean, he's a good coach, but he's not Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other reasons why the team has had such a big drop-off.
3: So with that being the case, John, do you th- look at this group of players that you watch every night, and do you think, okay, if, if this group of players plays better, that they can be a playoff team? Or do you think that there are additions that need to be made?
10: Well, I think that, you know, Randy, they've lost some some key players and some, some really... Um, key contributors and, and guys that are, are really um, give you heart and soul every night. And I'm talking about people like O'Reilly, of course, and Achari and Ivan Barbashev. So you're, you're losing to me three really key contributors on the ice in the locker room. Um, you know, I'd like to think the Blues could replace, you know, a couple of those guys with, with some free agents or, or maybe trades, who knows. But I, I think that generally speaking – And it's, you know, way too early to start making predictions and things like that. Um, You know, the season isn't even over yet, but I would think they do need to add to that group and, you know, maybe mix up the defensive group because it just wasn't good enough this year for whatever reason. And that's, to me, perhaps of all the things you look at with this team this year, the biggest mystery to me is why the defensive group as, as a whole did not play better um, because basically they had the same group as they had last year, and they were a pretty good defensive team last year. Not great, but pretty good.
5: Well, another big change that we saw happen this season is leadership. In that Blues locker room, you had the exits of Vladimir Tarasenko and, of course, Ryan O'Reilly, your captain. What do you see as kind of the who will take over the leadership here moving forward? I know that Braden Shin has done a lot, but you still are missing a guy that's wearing that C. Well,
10: you are, and Ryan was a great you know, captain for this hockey team, you're you're right. I I think that you know you you have to look at Shen and and perhaps Justin Falk as the guys that need to you know pick that up and 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 be leaders. And they they have been leaders, but uh, now they have to be even more vocal and and perhaps be better leaders. So, you know, a player like Robert Thomas isn't a kid anymore either. I know he's you know 24 years old or whatever he is, um, but if Robert Thomas is going to become your number one center iceman, which he, he has been and will be, he needs to he needs to be a leader, and he needs to be your best player every night. So you can't I don't think you can just look at you know a couple of guys and you know a guy like Pareko, obviously he's been around since twenty fifteen and and he had a very inconsistent season, but I would think off the top of my head, in particular, Falk and Shen are the are the two that need to fill that void. Baruvi was on the fast
4: lane a couple of days ago, and he talked about the leadership roles of Kyrou and Thomas. What does that maturation look like for them? To what do you, what do you need to see from them to know that they are going to be the leaders that can help this team make a playoff run and, and make a Stanley Cup push?
10: Well, I think, Kerry, you know that's a tough question because there are a lot of intangibles, in and in, in, you know how do you really define leadership and you know great leaders? Um, but I, I guess off the top of my head, I, I think that you'd have to look at those two guys as being more consistent players mm-hmm. and, and, and doing the right things and playing the right way and, and playing winning hockey. And, you know, for the most part, both of those players ha- have had, pr- you know, good seasons. Kairos, you know, 37 goals, career highs in goals scored. And, you know, Robert obviously has been dealing with some different injuries here lately. Um, but, you know, he's been inconsistent as well. So, When I look to that, um, I I look to two things. I look to being a more consistent player and playing winning hockey. You know, getting the puck in deep and and making smart plays at your own line and and not, you know, turning the puck over, you know, playing the scoreboard, things like that. So, you know, those are things that I would look for as playing winning hockey as well.
3: Hey, J.K., I want to circle back to the special teams for just one moment because Ken Hitchcock, uh, I don't know if you felt this way being around him every day. I, he taught me a lot of hockey. I, I really feel like he was a great teacher for me and kind of coached us up. And he, one of the things he always talked about was you want your special teams, your PK and your power play to be elite. They they should add up to 110. So your percentages should have to add up to 110. Example this year, Edmonton is elite. They're at 109.4. Boston is elite. Their are PK and... and uh, and power play add up to 109.8. It's glaring that the Blues penalty kill and power play add up to just 91.6. That's pretty far from elite, and that's what you were talking about right off the top.
10: Yeah, I would think, Randy, the range I would want to be at is a minimum of 100. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 110, you're going to be in the top two or three in the league if you're, if you're at 110, I right. think. Yeah, that's elite. You know, yeah, yeah,
3: That's as good head. as it gets.
10: Yeah, that, that's the very best. But I think to be respectable... And to, you know, have a winning record and be a really team, you've got to be at a minimum of 100. So, you know, again, what what Eddie said last night on the telecast and Keith Jones, they're right on, on the mark, is that, you know, the Blues special teams just not near good enough, and it, it perhaps was one of the biggest reasons why they're not a playoff team. So they, they've got to really improve in, in that area and, and be much more consistent. Um, you know, the, the penalty killing was – was really bad in the first month and then it it was okay for the sort of the middle half of the year but since the trade deadline and losing Achari in particular and O'Reilly and Barbashev was a good penalty killer their PK in the last month or so has been nothing short of just really bad (laughs) that's the only way you can put it just really bad
3: (laughs) hey JK before we let you go I think we're all picking Boston in the east but the the west is such a jumble do you have a team that you look at and you say okay I think that's the best team right now in the west
10: yeah, you know it's hard to count out Colorado, but you know the X factor with them is how healthy are they going to be? They haven't had Skog all year long, and I have no idea if he's going to play in Game One of the playoffs. Um, but if they do get healthy, they're obviously the, the best team. But aside from that, the team that I like would probably be the Dallas Stars. I really like their their depth, and I, I like their balance, and I like I really like their goaltending a lot with Jake Ottinger. So. Um, There are other good teams out there. Um, Edmonton, obviously, is a really good team, and and L.A. and Vegas and uh, those clubs. But my pick would probably be if it's it's not Colorado, if they can't get healthy and get going, it would be the Dallas Stars. John
3: Kelly, we've really enjoyed having you on every week during the course of the season. Thanks so much, and have a great summer, and we'll be talking to you as the 2023-2024 season unfolds.
10: Okay, guys, thanks. I enjoyed it uh, every week, and uh, we'll be listening, and uh, thank you very much. Appreciate
3: it. Thanks, J.K. John Kelly, TV Voice of the Blues, with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we have The Fight. You're
2: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to The Fight in the Red Corner.
4: I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight, and our fighter today is Zach. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? I am. I'm ready. Now, is this your first time fighting, Randy? This is my first time. All right. Have you you been preparing for this moment for a while? And if so, how do you feel that this is going to go?
9: I've been preparing for months now, so I think it's
4: going to go great. All right, well, let's see how you do. All right, here we go. Which 1986 major did Jack Nicklaus win for his record 18th and final major championship win? Was it the PGA Championship, the Masters, or the British Open slash Open Championship?
1: Uh, Can you repeat the options again?
4: PGA Championship, the Masters, or British Open slash Open Championship?
9: I'm going to go with the British Open.
5: All right. Which National League club holds the league record with four different players hitting their 500th career home run while wearing their uniform? The Giants, the Dodgers, or the Mets?
10: The Giants, the Dodgers, or the Mets? Uh, I'm going to go with the Dodgers.
4: Who is the current active receiving touchdowns leader in the NFL with 87? Is it Travis Kelsey, Mike Evans, or Devontae Adams?
10: Repeat the question again.
4: Who is the current active receiving touchdowns leader in the NFL with 87? Travis Kelsey, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams? I'll go Travis Kelsey.
5: Ricky Prohl joined us earlier in the show. Which ACC school did Ricky play his college ball at? Clemson, Wake Forest, or Virginia?
7: What was the second one again?
5: Wake Forest.
9: Wake Forest. Uh, I'm going to go with Wake Forest.
6: All right, we'll double check the score and bring in Randy Character.
4: Zach, you've been waiting for this moment for months. How did it compare to, to what you thought it would be?
9: Uh, it met my expectations. It's exciting, a little bit nerve wracking, but overall excited. Questions
4: come pretty quickly, huh?
9: You
4: <laughs> Randy is
3: coming in. He's got a Reese's Pieces Buttercup. Looks like I just it. had a b- buttercup. actually. I do have a Reese's. Oh, Is he, it yeah. Reese's or oh, Reese's? That's my favorite. So it's Reese's in Missouri. Yeah, Missouri, I call it Reese's. But uh, Mike Ryder from Illinois calls it Reese's. In Tennessee, it's Reese's?
5: I say Reese's, but also I don't know. I just, that's for whatever I've reason I say Reese's it. Reese's I don't know where Pieces. I got it
4: from. Reese's Pieces rhymes. Reese's Pieces doesn't.
5: Reese's Pieces.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Randy you know, I, I had a very good friend. You guys saw it. send me a, uh, bouquet, a bouquet last of, week of, of Reese's That peanut was cups. Awesome. It was awesome, and very it still cool. is. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah, because you've been having one about
5: every day. Uh, thank you, Nancy, for sending the bouquet of,
3: uh, of uh, Reese's. We appreciate it. Randy, say hello to Zach. Zach, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing.
8: Pleasure
4: to be here. All right, Ren, here we go. Which 1986 major did Jack Nicklaus win for his record 18th and final major championship win?
3: So when he won that, I don't know why I was at KMOX that day, but I was. And it was the Masters. And it was legendary. Randy, how do you remember exactly where you were that's, on these? That's kind of my thing. And my son has the exact <laughs> same thing. Like, Perfect so, recall. Yeah. So uh, my, my son will say, oh, yeah, that's the day the Giants brought up Mikey Stremsky. <laughs> and then he'll, you know, that's the date. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But that's how I remember things that's... is related to events and places. Hmm.
5: That's a gift. Adam Wainwright can do that, too. If you talk about a specific start, it doesn't even matter if it was a good one, bad one. He will remember every hmm. little detail about that day and yep. breaks it down. So you and Adam Wainwright in the same same category. How about that? Okay, which National League club holds the league record with four different players hitting their 500th career home run while wearing their uniform?
3: Well, you've had the Giants with Mays, McCovey, and uh, Bonds. So that's the Dodgers have not had a great history of home run hitters. The Cardinals certainly have not done that. Um. I'm thinking more old school. The Cubs obviously had Ernie Banks and I think Sosa. I, I, I don't, let's see, who else would have with the Giants? Pirates, I don't think they've done it. Willie Stargell. Um, this is overall major league? It or, is just a national, national league. League. Yes, there there an, either,
6: Yeah, There is an AL team that, ha- that shares the record. That's
3: probably but. the Yankees. So the National League team seems to me like it would. The only other one that would be a possibility to me would be the Braves, with uh, obviously Henry Aaron. Uh, And I don't, uh, Chipper and uh, and the new new crew. I'll just I'll I'll say that it was that the Giants had a fourth guy. I'll go with the San Francisco Giants. All right, Randy,
4: who is the current active receiving touchdowns leader in the NFL with 87?
3: 87 touchdowns right now. Uh, In the interest of time, CD, I'll do the lifeline. Travis Kelsey, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams. Travis Kelsey seems like a pretty good choice here. Let's see, Devontae, I'm just going by... I'm going by fantasy history. <laughs> so, I, I, Devontae's had a couple of good years, but I don't think it's 87. And Mike Evans, let's see, he was in the 2014 draft, I think, 1415. You know, I think I'll go with Mike Evans rather than Kelsey.
5: Ricky Prol, Prol, excuse me, joined us earlier in the show. Which ACC school did Ricky play his college ball at?
3: He was a Wake Forest Demon Deacon.
5: I always love that mascot name for Wake Forest it's great. Demon yeah. Deacon. Yeah, I like unique stuff like that. I got to You don't see, like it? Yeah. CD, CD made it. Demon yep. Deacon. Demon Deacon. I was a
4: junior deacon at one point. I don't know if I wanted to be a Demon Deacon.
3: I got it to see. Sounds scary
4: though. Yeah, it sounds.
3: Really scary. I got to see Tim Duncan knock <laughs> Slew out of the NCAA tournament. I think it was in Baltimore. 1998, is that right? Or 97, it was in the late 90s. What was the point guard? Childress. Child- was it Ray, Rudolph, Randolph? Randolph Childress. Randolph
4: Childress. Yep. Childress. Yep. That was pretty he hit deep. that step back oh. shot. Yeah. Randolph Childress. That was yeah. here, wasn't it? I tell you what.
6: Wasn't it here? That's an Ascot no. All-Star uh, right there.
3: That game was, oh, it, when Childress played. Yeah, right? when, yeah when Childress when played, played. When he hit yep. that shot, yeah. Yep. Yeah.
6: Randolph Childress was an Ascot All-Star.
3: Oh, absolutely. We do have
6: <laughs> a winner in today's fight ring. That
1: bell. A winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carrier.
2: The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm so
6: sorry, Zach. Randy beat you today with a 3-1 victory in the fight.
8: Oh, bummer.
6: It's, it's always a tough one, and let's go through those questions. Jack Mills just won the 1986 Masters, and that was his final Eighteenth major championship win. Still, of course, the record three ahead of Tiger Woods. Which NL club holds the record with four different players hitting their 500th home run? It is the Giants. Have you figured out the fourth one yet, Randy? Uh,
3: I think we're going old timey. Who was it?
6: Mel Ott hit his 500th with the uh, San Francisco Giants. Giants. By the way, yeah, New York Giants. True. Um, By the way, the AL team is the Red Sox. Jimmy Fox, Ted Williams, Manny Ramirez, and David Ortiz. Okay, yeah. Uh, The current active leading receiver, leading um, player in receiving touchdowns in the NFL. 87 is in fact Devonte adams wow travis kelsey's at 69 and mike evans is at 81 just six behind mm-hmm. him and ricky pearl did in fact get drafted by the phoenix cardinals in the third round out of acc power wake forest a 3-1 win for randy today in the fight zach thank you so much for joining the fight and the show today
10: hey thank you for having me i just got one thing to say let's yes. go battle hawks there we go
3: thanks zach Hey, coming up on 101 ESPN, there's a, a great piece at The Athletic about how aggressive the Yankees are on the base paths, And could the Cardinals take a page out of the Yankees analytics book? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: in The Athletic right now about the stolen base. Jason Stark, with a piece out today, points out that stolen bases through the first 13 days of this season are up 48% compared to last year. And stolen base attempts through the same period are up 34%. Even people like uh, Luke Voigt and uh, the White Sox catcher, C.B. Zvalis, are suddenly deciding that they are base stealing threats and the base stealing success rate is still 81.3%. Now, This is not getting us back to the 80s, where Whitey Herzog and Vince Coleman and the Cardinals were running at will all the time. As a matter of fact, stolen bases would have to jump another 21% to reach that level. But it is the highest number of stolen bases and attempts since 1999. And the Yankees, and Brooke, you brought this to our attention yesterday, they've brought some people in. And actually, at the behest of Aaron Judge, they've developed what they call... A, a jump step. It's a, a, short, a base runner taking a short primary lead. The primary lead. Then making a lateral hop-like move as the pitcher begins his delivery. A momentum lead is what the Yankees call it, and that's allowed them to become really proficient at stealing bases not only at the Major League level, but they're dominant at the Minor League level.
5: Well, and the thing is, is that you would want to see this. I think this is kind of what you were thinking, that when Major League Baseball made some of these rules, you're making things a little bit more exciting. That's the whole point of making the bases bigger, right? So it encouraged teams to do this more. As you mentioned, the stats are are kind of stacked against them. Getting back to that whole Whitey Herzog Vince Coleman Mm -hmm. era of stolen bases, I don't think we'll get back Back to that point, but it seems like it's already pushing teams forward, and you even think the Yankees are doing that, too. What's interesting in that article, too, that specifically talks about the Yankees and how they are, have kind of implemented this style in their minor leagues, the kind of guru behind this whole thing, his last name is Chattel, he said, if you're in a Ferrari at a stoplight, and I'm in a Toy- in my Toyota, but I roll into that stop and you're at a dead stop, I'm going to beat you off the line 100 times out of 100. So that's how their approach is with stealing bases and how to do it aggressively, where you're kind of getting that little bit of a jump start as Mm -hmm. you're talking about.
3: And it's interesting because when the Cardinals were stealing bases in the 80s, defenses, especially because of the Cardinals, were being built to defend the run. Now, because we've gone such a long time without the stolen base being a big part of the baseball attack, defenses, baseball Uh, Run defenses aren't set up to Cut down stolen bases You Mm -hmm. have the slide step But there aren't many great catchers in the game There aren't many great throwers You have a better opportunity If you have Athletic people that take the approach that the Yankees are taking a much better opportunity to steal a base now than at any time in baseball history.
4: I think it's a, a, it's a great technique. However, it's just they're getting their momentum going, going into second base and, and that's allowing them to get that early start or that jump start. It's going to be interesting in, interesting to see if when they decide to make that jump start because it seems that it's happening you know, before the pitcher goes into his motion, motion, if he steps off at the right time as you're jumping to your right, you're probably not getting back to your left to get back to first base so you may start to see some of those guys getting picked off once the the opposing teams start to learn the mechanics of what the the Yankees are doing and how they're
3: getting that jump start and how they're getting that lead so guys my question is this when you have Tommy Edmund on your team when you have Jordan Walker on your team when you have Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson to an extent uh, Brendan Donovan Why do the Cardinals only have five stolen base attempts? They are sixth from the bottom in stolen bases in baseball. They only have four stolen bases. They've been caught once. You look at Cleveland, 19 stolen bases. Arizona, 17 stolen bases. Baltimore, 17. Pittsburgh has 14. The Mets have 14. Why do the Cardinals only have four? Shouldn't they be more aggressive?
5: Especially, you mentioned Tommy Edmond is one of the first guys that comes to mind with his speed. Even a Brendan Donovan, as well. That's somebody else that we've seen in the past do that. And it makes you wonder too if this is just something that they're shying away for from for a certain reason i mean we saw during spring training jordan walker sliding head first that's also not a technique that you <laughs> you want to do and he said you know to me it's kind of i want to get there faster so that's how i see it and even mason Wynn talked to him about like no we got to we got to work on that yeah. because obviously mm-hmm. that led to some shoulder issues with him luckily obviously he's doing completely fine here but at the same time it, i think you change the rules, you adjust to them. You might as well. You have guys with a lot of speed on this team. And I even liked in that article with the Yankees, Aaron Judge, who is six foot seven, 282 pounds, which doesn't even seem real. That's just a massive human <laughs> being. He said, when it came to base stealing technique, he said, Guys I'm faster than had more stolen bases than me. I wanted to know why. And so that's where his journey kind of started with this as well.
3: And by the way, talk about a big guy, and I don't know that Paul Goldschmidt runs like Judge does. But Paul Goldschmidt, as a member of the Cardinals, is 24 of 25 in stolen bases. So you don't have to be fast. You just have to be a good base runner, a smart base runner. Judge has taken it upon himself to be that guy. Goldie is obviously that guy. 24 of 25 is a pretty good percentage, right? That's 96%? Yeah, 96% stolen base percentage. So I would thank you very much. That was quick on the fly. Without a calculator. Only numbers, though, no letters. (laughs) That's the the key there. Are letters actually math? No, they shouldn't okay. be. It's, yeah, it's terrible boring. that they include letters in math. It's a, it's a bad thing. But
5: we saw your report card. Yeah, we saw your report card. Yeah, well, we you, know
3: you didn't even see the seventh one without uh, the seventh grade one with algebra. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I got a zero out of a hundred on an algebra test, and the teacher told me it was harder to get a zero than a hundred.
5: Usually, you get like a point for your name, um, yeah. right? Yeah.
3: Well, not not Parkway.
6: I'm sorry. No, oh, okay. You, you did bad on a math test, and she chided you using math. A, That's yeah, just yeah, rude. Yeah, it, was, it
3: was bad. But anyway, my point is this: there's a lot of. Uh, math guys down at the Cardinal front office, okay? I believe, and Mo said at the end of last season's press conference, the end of last season's press conference, I said, how do you think that you guys will approach the rules changes? And he said, I don't think we have to do anything different. I don't think that it'll make, it'll make that much of a difference for us. And I'm looking at the bigger stolen bases and looking all, at all these athletic guys, and then I see all these teams that are super aggressive, and they're doing what I thought the Cardinals should do. Yeah. And I hope the Cardinals just aren't behind the curve because they're so concerned about giving up and out. Hey, steal 80%, get a guy in scoring position. What happens when you get guys in scoring position? They score. score. There you go. Yeah. So and I hope, I wish the Cardinals would be more aggressive.
5: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, I mean, you think of like Whitey Ball, right? You think about all that time, just how awesome. aggressive that team was. You would like to get back to that in certain ways, right? I would love
3: it. I'll never forget one of the Buck it calls. It's like a circus out there. It was, it was fun.
5: And you have Vince Coleman at your disposal yeah. as well. I mean, I saw that he had a little conversation with Jordan Walker on opening day. It's like, eh, maybe having Vince Coleman consult on that a little bit?
3: No, I don't know. I think that's Vince, in addition to having exceptional speed when he played was and is a scientist. Having Vince Coleman work with your base runners can only be a positive, if you do want to steal bases. Yes. If you don't, then not not so no, much. because he wants it. <laughs> I'll never forget. And I, I've told this story a hundred times, but I love it. Lee Elia, who had the great rant when he was the manager of the Cubs, Lee Elia was with the Phillies, and I think it was the 1988 season. And the Cardinals ran and scored late to beat Philadelphia. And Ily is in his office, and he's almost shaking. He says, "Man, that damn Coleman just intimidated the hell out of our guys. <laughs> A base runner at first base was intimidating the hell out of his pitchers."
4: That's that that. If you're focused more on the guy at first base, then you can't be focusing on the guy at home, right? You mm-hmm, can't be mm-hmm. focused on the batter and what he's got going on. So. It does put pressure. It puts pressure on your entire defense when you got a guy that you know can flat out fly. Right. Because now everyone, if somebody's got to cover second, which leaves a hole on the right or left side, depending on who's batting. And now you have more opportunities to go from first to third. And if you're running and you get one in the gap, you can go first to home. It's, 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 it's required, no
3: it's needed. Can I just give you guys a Randy opinion too? Sure. As a viewer on television, I'd much rather watch a fast guy run the bases than watch a little ball go, go over. The fence.
5: Oh, I, I, you're not a long ball. Can guy? I get
3: both? Not. Uh, I'm okay being at the ballpark and watching a ball go, go over the fence. But I like action, and there's <laughs> more action with athletes being yeah. athletes and running.
4: The, the when you see guys making. St- spectacular catches because they're able to track a ball down and, and dive because they're fast enough to get there or as you said when you see guys flying around the bases first to third first to home because they can mm-hmm. flat out roll that is exciting that is something that, that brings casual fans to to the ballpark and wants them to, has them more engaged in what's going on so hopefully they decide to get running just a little bit more yeah.
5: I think so you have time right we have we have a full season ahead yeah, of us so you have time hey,
4: we, said that, we said that about the Blues and here we are
5: yeah well we're well, saying that got time? There's time? There's time. Until but there's not. To your point, <laughs> to your point too Randy, I like when things are like chess, right? Where it is very strategic, where it's you know the pitcher versus the hitters and then also watching the guys behind him as well. You like all that kind of stuff cuz it kind of builds that anticipation and just kind of totally. the tension of the game.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we have a rush hour reset, a win for the Cardinals, a loss for the Blues. We'll touch on those and what's going on today next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset.
2: Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf.
0: Broken back. Get through, baby. It will. Walker is aboard. 12 in a row. And you got to go back to 1912 for a rookie to do what Jordan Walker just did. That's Chip Carey
3: on Valley Sports yesterday. A 7 4 win for the Cardinals, and as cool as the home runs by O'Neill and Arenado and uh, Gorman were. The Cardinals had a very good day offensively, but the highlight is history for Jordan Walker. And we said it yesterday, savor this. This is something that has only been done twice now in big league history. He can be the only guy in big league history to start his career with hits in 13 consecutive games. If you get the opportunity to see something that has only happened once in more than 150 years, enjoy it. Yeah. You you should. He's playing. He's doing a fantastic job. He
4: got a hit in his last at-bat yesterday, Where which that's usually the the most stressful one when you mm-hmm. have a, a hitting streak like this. You want to get the hits out early so you don't have to press or really worry about it. Um, and he's just one of those young men that continues to impress because he, he does not waver. He does not seem to, to struggle or worry. He's just kind of set in what he is and, and who he is, and he's comfortable in his own skin. And for a young player... Coming into the majors, having made that leap, done a fantastic job in spring training, and still performing this well, it's great to see. It's fun to see and it only gives you, you know, more excitement about what's what the future holds for him.
5: Yeah. I mean, he has surpassed, I feel like, every single expectation. You couldn't imagine that he would be breaking or, you know, tying a record that's like over a hundred years old. I mean, that's that's just incredible. And he just looks it's such ease, too. I mean, he, he it looks like he's meant to be here, that he's been here for a while in the majors, but he's only 20 years old. And I put this suggestion out to you guys during the break the other day. He's coming close to hitting 21. I think this is a big opportunity for Budweiser, Bud Select, what, whichever yep. one kind of wants to take that over to do a big advertising opportunity. Are you guys listening? You guys can give me commission on this. With Jordan Walker, come have the his first 21st beer. celebration with Jordan Walker and then he can get I'm sure he'll do something incredible, break another record that day or have a big home run and everybody can have a, celebra- a celebratory beer with him. I
3: want to ask a question your text line People that are younger that turned 21 within the last five or six years. Budweiser to me seems to be the old people's beer. So, did you go Bud Light, Mick Light? What, what when you Bud got, Select? Bud Select is the first <laughs> beer to get when you're 21. So, is that the play for the Cardinals? Matthew Rocchio says no. I mean, Bud Select. on all- your 21st birthday. you got, <laughs> That's <laughs> so many other it's, options. No, it's just, it's, just it's,
6: we're just talking about capacity. You only have such a big stomach, Bud selects a little
3: bit too much if you want to, okay. you know, enjoy Apparently. your 21st but birthday. A little
5: stomach. He's a we, big guy. Just an yeah.
3: anheuser Bush product. Stick <laughs> with a light beer. So let's just go with an Anheuser-Busch product. I mean, they're they're selling Mick Ultra to athletes, right? Yeah. Yes. So maybe that's the way you go.
4: I, I yeah. I I'm, I don't know. I'm not a real big beer guy. I'm usually a I like a Modelo yeah, or, mm-hmm. or a or a Michelob
3: Ultra is is. is pretty good that'll be good okay yeah. good so jordan walker uh brooke she doesn't need a commission at the moment but she will want one once the cardinals, cardinals <laughs> if you're listening yeah, cardinals and anheuser-bush you've got that partnership already i see the mm-hmm. commercial he's just cracking the beer open you don't even have the drinker
4: George a, just a, ksh, yep. yeah and and ksh, it would a smile.
7: <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's there
3: you go maybe well, maybe there a, you a, go a bad crack in there simultaneously <laughs> go back to the adam and yadi the the best buds yes. last yes. year right yep
5: huge advertising
3: we're making, opportunity we're making things yep. happen here we can't give these ideas out for free uh, though and no, as friends
5: a rookie mistake yeah. on my part <laughs> jordan's
3: 21st birthday is on may 22nd we know that you're on it glad that you're listening and uh, just uh, send the the check to Brooke grimsley here at care of 101 espn <laughs>
6: yes <laughs> and the
3: cardinals are back at it tonight correct yeah, yes. they, they got the Buccos in time. Yes,
6: yeah, a seven-game homestand, and then they got a West Coast swing after I, that. They're, they're look, not off again until next Thursday.
5: It's easy to forget about the Pirates, so it's okay. Yeah.
3: Especially without o- O'Neill Cruz. I mean, that's the guy that you buy. Now, they have a really interesting young group of players. I don't know if they're a great group of, of players, but the Pirates should be fun to watch. And especially if you're a Cardinals fan, <laughs> they'll be, be more fun to watch. But... Uh, They've got some interesting young players. Brian Reynolds is having a great year. Brian Hayes is still there. Uh, they've got Carlos Santana now. They've got Austin Hedges behind the plate. They're, they're an interesting team, and the Cardinals should be able to handle them. So, oh, yeah,
5: 100%. I mean, two things I'm interested in seeing this weekend. One, I just like this momentum. Adam Wainwright talked about that yesterday, about how big that win was the other day, to just get this momentum going the right direction, especially with this four-game series against the Pirates. Um, you look to see Walker, what he'll be able to continue here, not trying to jinx him or anything, but it is a lot of fun to watch either way. And then Nolan Gorman just continues to impress me. I mean, it, he went deep to deliver a go-ahead home run in like the last two contests for the Cardinals. And even Ali Marmal saying afterwards on Gorman, he's hitting meaningful home runs, not just home runs in the third when you're up four. They're in tie ball games to give you the lead. That's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, he also looks at ease at the plate. Yeah.
3: And what they tell us uh, in, at the workout before the opener, uh, everybody you talk to around the Cardinals said, Yeah, he's going to hit 35, 40 home runs. He's When he hits them, the Gorman, yeah. they, they go. So tonight it's Vince Velasquez against Jomo. You guys on board with uh, Jordan Montgomery being Jomo? Okay, good. Thank you. Mm, uh, no. <laughs> I think you might be on your own on that. I
6: have one. some problems. Monty.
3: With that
6: one. I do like Monty. Monty. I, thought, I, thought, I thought last year we established Jaymont. J Mont is fine too. I'm good with that. I'm not Joe Mo. Joe No.
3: Jordan Montgomery. Okay. J J-O, uh, O. No, yeah. J Mont, Mont
6: kind of sounds like he's a Mount, Mont. he's a Mont Castle and he might be in the Ascot okay. All Stars. Okay. I, I like J Mont.
3: Jordan Montgomery.
6: Just can't go Monty.
5: Year. This Monty's is the year good. of the Jordan, Monty. huh? For the Cardinals. Yes. is
6: a bunch yeah. of
4: Jordans. Right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan had a really big impact on he, on society. Lives. Yes, he did. The <laughs> Blues play their season not finale the tonight at Dallas. <laughs> Free game at six. Action at seven. Here on 101 ESPN. The Blues losing last night to the Stars. 5-2, to two, uh, meaningless loss for your St. Louis Blues.
5: Those are two teams at very opposite ends. It was just interesting to see that last night. At very opposite ends of the division, because that win secured, what was it, the division for the Dallas Stars. And it's just kind of tough seeing that. Two very opposite ends of the spectrum, you did like to see the Robert Thomas goal, though. That was that was really nice with Jordan Kyrou setting him up. But man, special teams is just brutal. Giving him oh, three power Terrible. play goals. Terrible.
3: Yeah, uh, and one other thing. One of the cool things about being a fan with access, it's especially after guys retire. I, I did not have a great relationship with Mark McGuire when he played. Mm-hmm. I, cordial, great. You know, we always talk to each other, and we, you know, we, but never socially. I didn't have his number. He didn't have mine. But it's fun to hear from Mark McGuire now, and he he told me in our interview before opening day, he said, "Hey, something's going to have to happen here because teams are not going to be making enough money from beer sales because these games are so short." And lo and behold, teams are extending beer sales now <laughs> <laughs> through the eighth inning <laughs> <through laughs> and, and, and into the ninth, and. There's a story today that uh, Matt Strom of the Phillies said that he disagreed with extending alcohol sales beyond the seventh inning cutoff, citing common sense and the safety of fans. You know what? what? People that are going to the game to drink, it doesn't matter if you cut them off after the seventh or the eighth. They're still going to be drunk on the way home.
5: Yeah. I, so I went to the game, uh, game, I think it was like a week or two ago I can't remember which one it was that game went by so freaking fast by the time we found the shack the the shack sandwich sandwich, we were like wait a minute it's like the freaking (laughs) fifth inning because we like kind of we had to Mm -hmm. look all over for it and then we finally found it and you're like wow this game is like buzzing right by
3: yeah so it's hard for the beer drinkers Um, they gotta just Get to it. And that's, uh, and that's one thing Big Mac said. It's, he told me a long time ago, he said, yes, why they didn't build a retractable roof here. And he said, well, the, they said, people are going to show up. It's hot outside. They're still going to show up. Why <laughs> spend an extra $300 million on a roof. People are going to show up anyway. That's true. Makes yeah, they're, they're here. Now, a little different if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, right? Where it's 100 120 during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: Bake your fans. How would
3: you like to be a roofer in Phoenix? Oh, man. That, Miami Vegas, is another Vegas. one that Or I Miami think yeah.
4: It's like
5: it's whew, Yeah eh,
4: Gotta it's, be yeah,
3: it, And Miami has the humidity too Yeah
4: Uncomfortable
3: Yeah, yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't want to uh, Some jobs uh, And I, I admire and appreciate all the roofers I think at this stage of my life I'm probably not going to make that career change Nah Nah,
5: nah no. I wouldn't.
3: I wouldn't say so. Difficult task. Yep. Uh, there's your rush hour reset here. I don't know how we got there, but I, really, I just
6: it. want to start. I, I, I now just thought of content. I want to start putting like Randy, Randy, in like these micro situations where you just have him do odd jobs around St. Louis. Mid July roofing is going to be one of them. Mid July okay.
4: roofing. I, w- I will tell you this. I, I have a couple of rental properties, and I had to do some work on one of my houses. And I'm not. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. Two weeks of working there every day was worse than any day of training camp that I've ever had
5: even summer OTAs oh my body
4: was aching in ways that I could not even getting under a sink Mm -hmm. and being there for 15-20 minutes trying to get oh no 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 no. knees oh no no, no no I, I learned right. I said, "Yeah, I'm not. I, I can run into people all day, mm-hmm. but I'm not sitting under a sink for 15, 20 minutes ever again." <laughs> and
3: I ran into people so that I can pay somebody to do exactly. this exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our blues insider for the Athletic on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented
2: by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN Anything
0: you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go Alright,
3: I, uh, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri <laughs>
5: No I attended
3: I, Parkway, Parkway. I grew up here as well uh, I, I, I attended Parkway Schools, okay. Carrie Hazelwood, Hazelwood Schools Yes, indeed and I say the well. I'm, let me ask you, Carrie Davis, uh, the word C R A Y O N. That would be a crayon. I say crayon too. Yeah, that's how it's
4: spelled. Yeah, uh, crayon. The, Brooke. You're from Tennessee. 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 How how do you? How do you say that word?
5: You guys are trying to get people to call me like a country (laughs) bumpkin. You're not the only
4: one because uh,
5: because Mike Mike Ryder. Ryder, Mike Ryder is also. But but he's definitely a country bumpkin. I say I say it just like you guys. Crayon. (laughs) No, crayon. Crayon. You see how your head turns (laughs) when you say it. Crayon. (laughs) Say say
3: how you used to say it when you were in grade school.
5: Crown. Crown. (laughs) Okay, that's the same them. thing. you but, put But but no, look, I'm just like I'm king. just like you guys. I say crayon, like you guys.
7: How <laughs> <laughs> do you say crayon, crayon. Uh, Jeremy crayon. Rutherford?
3: <laughs> how do you say it, brother? Brooke, how many syllables is that? It's <laughs> <made it> <laughs> syllables. <laughs> <laughs> just one. Just uh. one. Sorry, Mike Ryder is, is a crown guy. Brad Barnes, our good friend, says crown. Matthew, I say I actually say crayon.
6: Crane? Yeah, crane. Crayon. Like, crayon. A, like, like a crane. R- like a crane? No, like a cran. Cr- like a cran. So now we got three pronunciations oh for this word. You've never gracious. heard that. Like, it's, it's like crayon, but
4: it's just it's kind of like saying. Someone else said it's called a crayon as well. It's kind of like crayon. saying
6: caramel instead of caramel. It's you're you're mashing a couple of the syllables together. It's just cran. That's strange. I'm
3: not, going, not going there. <laughs> so, how how you doing this morning, man? One game left in the season.
9: Yeah, it's definitely crayon. And you know, how you, determine whether you, it, you know how you determine whether you say the word correctly? Here's how I always looked at it. You watch the nightly news, and I think when you watch the nightly news, you listen to Lester Holt, you mm-hmm. think he would say cr- crane? No, he'd yes. say crayon. Well,
4: there you go. Crayon. They, they are clearly smarter than me, and I, I agree with you. I'm going to watch the people on TV, Lester Holt being one of them, that says it the proper way.
9: oh brookie
5: brookie (laughs) (laughs) look jr you know i have worked really hard to get rid of any sort of accent whatsoever i worked really really hard in nashville when i bartended i would listen to people who came in from the midwest and i would repeat words back to them so i i beat the odds but there's certain (laughs) words there's certain words that trip me up sometimes
9: that's fair no no, that's fair. That's fair. You have done a great job, and you still got a number one fan out here in my son Eli. He was listening to the <laughs> app this morning and heard you. He said, "That's yeah. Brooke. That's Brooke." So you still yes,
5: got yes.
4: Yeah, uh, Eli okay. said hi. Play that one more time, sir. Yeah.
9: There we go. Oh, sounds
4: God. sounds yeah. right to me. Jr. I, I had an issue when I got to college because my St. Louis accent was extremely heavy. So I had the older guys. They were like, "Hey, what are you sitting in? What? It's a chur." And they were like, "Well, what is that on your head? It's her. And they just <laughs> fell out. I, I never knew that from St. Louis we had this accent. And it was, it was, it was hilarious to people from Chicago <laughs> that I spoke in such a way. They, 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 they could not believe that we all talked that way and, and they made fun of me. And I didn't know why they were laughing. I was, thought it was some rookie hazing going on.
9: I was going to say that better be the the players from Chicago and not sure Champagne or <laughs> because I spent four years on the Illini, yeah. and uh, there's definitely uh, they shouldn't be talking about the thing. No, Louis not at all. <laughs> all
3: right, uh, Jr. You have a piece up at the Athletic. Twelve things we learned about the Blues down the stretch: leadership, offensive uptick, and more. As you write the headline for the 2022-2023 Blues, what does it say? <laughs>
9: Yeah, it's got to be that uh, this was a year that that no one saw coming. And I think that you can look at it now and look back and say, well, what do you mean here? Look at the defense. Look at uh, some of the players uh, like a David Perron that they let go. You could have seen this coming. I don't think so. I think uh, I remember somebody was talking about this a couple days ago, Randy. You look back at those first three games of the season. The Blues were dominant. That 2-0 win over Edmonton, and three games doesn't a season make. I get that. But I remember after the third game talking to uh, Doug Armstrong, and I said, hey, Doug, can we do a piece? Can I talk to you? Can we do an interview, and, and, and we'll talk about how well you're playing? And this is how smart the guy is. He texts back, I look at my phone, I'm excited that we're going to sit down and do an interview, and he says, too early. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, after uh, after a couple of those uh, losses, I remember he uh, he walked past in the hallway, and he said, boy, am I glad we didn't do that piece. And, and so uh, – so things just kind of fell apart, and uh, Randy, when you look at the, the biggest thing, I mean, we can talk all day long about the the defensive play. It just hasn't been good. That includes the forwards too. But this penalty kill is just absolutely atrocious. You're talking three for thirty in the last nine games. Forty three percent. I've never seen anything like it. Like there's a lot of things to fix this off season, and that is right there at the top of the list.
5: Well, Jeremy, you talk to these guys and the coaching staff. Is there anything that they can pinpoint or you can pinpoint as to what is going on exactly? Because even J.K. mentioned that earlier, is that when you have a really good special teams, and we saw that last season with the Blues, you're typically doing well and finished with a lot more points than this.
9: Well, that's the biggest thing. And we talk about my colleague at the Athletic Dom. And. You know, he had him down for, what, 92, 93 points at this season, and, and uh, everybody was up in arms. And part of the reason he, he wrote that was because that some of the deficiencies last year were covered up by outstanding special teams. And you're talking about a power play that was number two, and you're talking about a penalty kill that was number five. It covers up a lot. And uh, this year you had a lot of those same deficiencies, if not more, but you didn't have the special teams to cover it up. So, you know, I think if you look at this uh, power play and, and penalty kill, and they're both, you know, in, in the last bottom 10 of the NHL right now rankings, you know, if they were in the top 10, top 12, top 15, maybe you're a wild card team. I think that's as big of a difference as it can make. You know, what do you do now? I think they just need to hit the reset button. You need an off season. You need to figure out you know, what's going to go on with the coaching staff, who's coming back, what's going to be the scheme next year, who's going to be the personnel. Like, I don't think you can two weeks ago all of a sudden come up with, uh, oh, here's what we need to do on the penalty kill, and this is what's going to work. We've seen with a lot of tweaks, a lot of change in personnel, uh, even last night give up three more. So it's pretty dreadful, and they're going to have to do something to figure it out.
4: All right, junior I'm going to make you a Blues GM for a day, and you're going to tell me what they're going to do. What are you going to do uh, when this offseason ends, and how are you going to make this team better?
9: Well, I think I'm going to work on that this afternoon, actually. Offseason priorities that should post uh, shortly after the game tonight or at the latest tomorrow morning. And as I sit here and think about it, that's what I try to do, drive around, run some errands, do some things. You know, think about what are those offseason priorities because there's a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But – With with the salary cap where it's at, with the contracts that they have, it's going to be difficult. We can sit here all day long and say, trade one of those top four defensemen. Trade two of them. But are there teams out there that want to take them on? And then don't forget that a couple of these players have no trade clauses. So if that's like a number one priority, trade one of those guys how do you make that work? How does Doug Armstrong do that? I think that's going, to be, that's going to be tough. Number two, I kind of touched on what's going to happen with the coaching staff. I'm never going to sit here and, and, and say that and uh, pine that uh, the Blues need to make a change. But I think if they believe in, in Craig Berube, and they do, uh, they want to move forward with Craig Berube, they need to find out what's going on in some of these areas, like the defense, like the penalty kill, like the power play, and, and find out what they need to do. Uh, do they need to keep the coaches and bring in some different personnel? Okay, how do you do that? So to me, when we sit here and talk about this team and what went wrong and, and how can they fix it, these are hard, hard fixes. Uh, they're possible. But uh, the Blues, Doug Armstrong, they just have to sit down and put their minds to it.
3: And Jr. the Blues, unfortunately, are dealing with reality now. The last 10 Stanley Cups, you've got Blackhawks, Kings, Blackhawks, Penguins, Penguins, Caps, Blues, Lightning, Lightning, Colorado. Of the last 10 Stanley Cup champions, six of those years are not in the playoffs this year. There are windows of opportunity in the National Hockey League. Pittsburgh sees a 16-year playoff streak go by the boards this year, but it, it's really hard to sustain. and the the key now, I think, is like Army talked about when he made the trades. You, you want to bounce back quickly like the Kings have.
9: Yeah, 16 years uh, for Pittsburgh. Uh, you look at that situation, and they're calling for Ron Hextall's job. And I think a lot of those situations, uh, there is a small window. Uh, those teams that you mentioned, Randy, capitalize on it, and then they have maybe even some more success after they win the Stanley Cup like uh, the Washington Capitals did You know, of course, like Pittsburgh did. Uh, But then you get to a point where it just runs out for whatever reason. And oftentimes, changes are made. And that's not the situation in St. Louis. You know, Doug Armstrong's not going anywhere, nor should he. Uh, Craig Brubee, same thing. So this is going to have to come within the personnel. And and those typically aren't quick fixes. So uh, you're right. You look back at that list of Stanley Cup winners, and a lot of those teams are on the outside looking in. New blood, new players. Uh, Some of these teams capitalize on the draft lottery. Uh, they take a couple years to to build, and, and a lot of these teams that you see in the playoffs right now uh, have done that very successfully.
5: Well, and I asked J.K. about this earlier, but another one of the big changes that we've seen this season is the leadership in the locker room for the Blues. You have the exit of a longtime veteran in Vladimir Tarasenko, and then you have the exit of Ryan O'Reilly as well, your captain, and you don't have a guy that's a captain currently. What do you think that that did to this team this season to lose that kind of veteran leadership, and who do you see wearing the C moving forward?
9: Yeah, Brooke, I think that it did have an impact, uh, certainly, you know, when they lost a couple of those guys. But I think at that point, you know, everybody knew that the season uh, was a goner and that uh, they were going to have a lot of change. And so I think it was kind of expected. So I, I think that you know, previous years, uh, you lose an Alex Petrangelo or even this year going into it when you lost David Perron, that probably has more of a shock value than getting to the trade deadline and losing a guy like Terrance and O'Reilly. Um, You know, to their credit, like I wrote in a piece that Randy touched on, I think that Braden Shin and Justin Falk did a tremendous job, just a tremendous job, just really took it and uh, kept this thing on the right track down the final 20, 25 games. And I'm not one who sits here and say, hey, they've created an identity in this last five. This is how they're going to play the start of next year. You know, this This is great. Uh, the retool is going to be suddenly super fast. Nothing like that. But I think that what Shen and, and Flock did is just grabbed a hold of it. And I think these are the two of the biggest leaders on this team. As far as the captain, you know, I've, I've been saying for weeks and months that uh, Shen, it just comes down to. Do the Blues feel Brain Shen can be a leader without wearing a seat? Do they put it on Robert Thomas now because he's likely going to be the captain down the road and get that started sooner than later? So, to me, my guess would be Shen, uh, but I could, under, uh, I could understand the other line of thinking,
10: too.
3: JR, as always, great stuff, and we'll have our eyes open for that piece that comes out after tonight's game. Had a great season with you, and of course, we'll stick with you throughout the course of the offseason as well for all of the Blues' moves and machinations as they go through this offseason. Thanks so much for the time. <laughs>
9: Yeah, sounds good. Before I type the story into my computer, I'm going to write it down with some crayons. And, uh, oh my gosh.
5: <laughs> oh my god! Crayons.
9: Right <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy.
3: <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from the Athletic on 101 ESPN. How do you see it, Brooke?
5: Crayons. <laughs> there you go. Well done. Well, and people have texted in though, agreeing with Rocchio.
3: Yeah. Crayon. It's
6: C R A Y O N. Because I'm a classic. Just, I'm a classic Saint Louisan, born and bred, bro. What do mm. you would expect? We. Uh. So
3: what we're saying here <laughs> is that we're, we have a silent O.
6: <laughs>
3: is that what you're giving me? Uh, well, listen, I'm admitting to you, no that you that I'm
6: doing it wrong. I'm not uh, saying okay, that it's okay, the okay, correct good. pronunciation. I'm just saying that's what I've been saying pretty much my entire life. Is is I've I've gone with the just the cran.
5: Oh. Crayon. Cran. I also like to use crayons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what that
0: sounds like Cran. Here's, here's what the Google lady says, though. So.
6: Crayon. Yeah. I, I, Google again, lady. I, I will acquiesce to the Google lady that she is She is going to be correct on this one.
3: Sounds great. Coming up next, how is the transition from Yadier Molina to Wilson Contreras School? We'll talk about that next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN.
1: Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive.
3: We haven't had many or any instances so far where. We've said, boy, I wish we had Yadier Molina, and Wilson Contreras has really been a disappointment. You can't say that he's been a a failure for the Cardinals. 11 games, obviously, offensively. He leaves something to be desired, hitting 179 with a 443 OPS. His career batting average is 255 with a career 803 OPS. But defensively, he's been fine. He made his first error. Two days ago, that was the catcher's interference, and he's thrown out 67% of the runners. Six have tried. He's thrown out four of them. So defensively, Wilson Contreras has been fine. Obviously, we don't know what has led to the ailment of the pitchers and the, the high ERA, But that's another thing, that, and he said it the other night, that we just haven't gelled. And part of that might be the fact that you didn't have everybody in spring training. But I'm willing to give Contreras the benefit of the doubt. If he performs well defensively for the Cardinals, he'll at least do what Yachty did offensively for the last couple of years.
5: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I was impressed with what he did behind the plate, especially with Jack Flaherty yesterday and what he was doing i mean it, he got a workout in behind the plate mm-hmm. at the plate he's kind of struggled in the series he went 0 for 12 in the series in colorado mm-hmm. not not exactly great and his batting average plummeted to 179 but here's the thing guys the guy behind him andrew kisner <laughs> you know what he's batting about 100 yeah <laughs> so what are you gonna do i i, I you, it has to just write itself it's kind it's of what we've been talking games. about with the starting yeah. pitching you think eventually it will come around?
4: He'll yeah. be he'll be better at the plate. And and the thing that I think brought this to our attention, we were talking yesterday, there hasn't been one of those aha moments like, ah, Yachty would have did this. I, I'm really enjoying w- watching Wilson Contreras behind the plate. I'm enjoying the snap throws that he's making to first base because we saw Yachty do that time and time again and catch runners. Eventually he's going to catch a guy mm-hmm. napping over there at first base probably later on in the season, dog days of summer, where a guy just doesn't get back to the base, and he he snaps it down there and, and gets it an out. Uh, Randy, I, I I was reading the article that um, Jesse Rogers wrote for ESPN, and and one of the things that stood out to me, he said in two, he was talking about Yachty. In 2021, we had a really nice talk at Busch Stadium. Uh, the advice he gave me was, don't change who you are. That's that's what makes you really good. You don't know, you you know, you have to know who you're catching, and, and Randy, you'll love this part, understand the days you can play at 100%, and those days where you can play at 80%. So, understanding that who but you never are? Never play it up. <laughs> I thought you would enjoy the eighty percent. Understanding who you are, who you're catching, and and just be you. That's the advice Yadi gave him, and I think he is being him. He, we haven't compared him to Yadi. He's his own person. He, and that's when you're a really good player replacing a legend. That's tough to do. That's mm-hmm. extremely tough to do. We know what Yadi was for this organization and for this city, and. Thus far, we haven't had any missteps, any conversations, and he's just steady behind the plate doing his job, and it's been fun to watch.
3: And one of the things we know about Wilson Contreras that we really don't know about any other position players on this team, we know Wilson Contreras can be a starter for a world champion. Yeah. Because he's done mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Can't say that about Ar- Arenado. Can't say it about Goldie. Can't say it about the infielders or the outfielders. The one guy that we, we know for, for sure can do that is Wilson Contreras, and that's one of the other reasons that I really don't have any – Major concerns about him. And I do think everybody, not everybody, but Matt Holiday, when, next time he's on the Fastlane, we'll have them ask how hard it was for him to play and produce after signing that big contract. Mm-hmm. And oh, you're yeah. at a new place trying to live up to the contract. It can be pretty daunting in trying to, to be yourself.
4: I mean, you saw it with Dexter Fowler. You saw it right? with Jason yeah. Hayward. You saw guys that you know, got nice-sized contracts and the expectation is, okay, right now. We need it. We expect it every single day. And sometimes you can succumb to that pressure. It's just not... it, It can be too much on you. But I think Wilson has the mindset, as you said, he's won a championship. He's been on pretty much all-star teams with those Chicago Cubs teams, guys that had a lot of talent. He's going to fit in and he's going to be fine. The, the hitting will will eventually get back to what we
3: expect. By the way, going back to the initial genesis of this conversation, none of those other guys were replacing legends either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So that's right. Yeah. added pressure.
5: Well, and even Wilson Contreras said, remember he had the whole you know little homage to Yadier Molina mm-hmm. at, at the beginning of the season with the Cleats. He said that Yanni was his idol. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, imagine that. You're taking over your idol's position. I mean, that is a lot to live up to, but... I, I mean, even you go to a spring training, he had a really good spring training and he even could have gone and played in the World Baseball Classic. We know how important that was. And he mentioned that he said it was important to him where he wanted to represent his country, but he knew how important it was to stay here, get to know this pitching staff and get acquainted with this new culture and learning the Cardinal way. It's early on in the season. and That's why, I mean, you know, I brought up the plummeting batting average and all of that. But at the same time, what are you going to do? You know this is early. Home
3: run on. tonight. Pittsburgh's in town. Hit a home run off of Vince Velasquez, and we golden. Exactly. That's I what think you got to do?
5: I think you
4: said something that was really important. That the championship, uh, having won a championship, it's it's something different. When you have a team full of people who have won championships, they can kind of show everyone. But when you've never done it, there's a little doubt in the back of your mind: as, can we do this? You got a couple of guys. You got Waino. You got uh, Wilson. But for the most part, this is a team that that guys haven't won championships, so it's going to be interesting to see how they gel and form to become a championship team, because that is some some work. It takes a, a, it, it's a task to become a championship team.
3: Absolutely. That's Carrie. that's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch here on 101
1: ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Let's rock.
3: Let's rock today. It's time for Rock and Roll. I want to clarify something here for the listenership. (laughs) There was a baseball player who played Major League Baseball (laughs) from 1912 to 1921. Started out with the Philadelphia A's, and he had hits in the first 12 games of his Major League career. A baseball player's name, Major League Baseball player, was Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Eddie Murphy, like the comedian. Uh, evidently a white dude. Okay, so not the comedian. <laughs> not the comedian. No, dif- different one. Uh, I'm just checking. Different one. Uh, born October 2nd, 1891, in Hancock, New York. There are probably other. If you just Google Eddie Murphy oh. phone number, I'm guessing there's probably yeah. a lot of Eddie Murphys. I'm sure. In the world. This Eddie Brock Murphy that we're talking about had his record tied to start his career with 12 consecutive games with a hit by the Cardinals' Jordan Walker. Yes. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Not, not necessarily Eddie Murray of the Orioles. But completely Eddie, different person. Completely different. Black dude. Black dude? <laughs> years Play, later. played high school ball with Ozzie Smith. Many years <laughs> yeah, later, right? Many years okay. later. Yeah, but he didn't have 12, 12 consecutive games to start his career with so it. So two different people. Two different two people. D- just want to clarify that for you. One so two guy, different
6: people came onto the text guy. line and were like, uh, did Rocchio just say Eddie Murphy? What are you talking about? I'm just like, I've seen the stat like 19 times over the last hey. four days. Right.
4: You don't have to respond. You what know what I learned. So here's 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 a here's some. I, I, I believe that we should share the information yeah, that we sure get. I, I, therapy has been beneficial for my life. And one thing that I've learned in therapy is you don't have to go to every every fight that you're invited to. You no. don't have to show up. Yeah. Every fight that you are invited to, you don't have to participate in. When people want to start a fight, you can actually walk away. And that's whether it's a verbal altercation or a physical. You don't you don't right. have to participate in every fight that you are invited in into. You just walk away. Can I just Sometimes before we get to you, Matthew to
3: with, with rock and roll here for about four minutes? Can I add one other thing? Um so somebody sends in a photo of a hundred and eighty person lunch catering that they're doing with mini cheesecakes oh and black gosh. forest chocolate, peanut butter, amaretto, <laughs> strawberry, white chocolate. I missed that. Where is that uh, at uh texture from the five seven three Matthew and I are right here. We're here. I mean, ah. I'm, yeah, I don't know what it we're talking about. So Amazing. you don't have to text in CD and Brooke. This is probably <laughs> doesn't help your diet. You know, we're, we're Matthew. You're here,
4: right?
6: Yeah, I'm. I'm down. We're for, I we're, mean, we're, well, we're, here, we're, we're we're yeah. We're talking to right
4: five seven three. We Brooke and I. You know, this looks like a, a small sampler right that little platter one. I think we could you know taste test one or two of those and yeah, still like be but safe on our diet. Randy right? right? might. Taste I'll test take the other ten. Ten. eight to ten, <laughs> I was gonna say eight to ten, but... and rock. may take the other eight to ten, but you know we'll we we'll, we'll get it figured right out.
6: Randy, is that like a mini peach cobbler one I see in there? Maybe. Okay. Right. Does look amazing. It right. looks like you're doing not, not, Yeah, oh. yeah
3: it, it does look woo, yeah. absolutely. Congratulations, <laughs> Brooke and Carrie. <Kerry. laughs> the listeners like you better. Uh, Matthew, what do you got for rock and roll?
6: Randy, something interesting happened last night in uh, the A's versus Orioles game, and I had to get your opinion on it because. By by the rules, technically, Juris Familia should have been credited with a win, but the official score of the game went to an obscure baseball rule, Rule 917C, that said the official scorer shall not credit the winning pitcher of a relief pitcher who is ineffective in a brief appearance when at least one succeeding relief pitcher pitches effectively to helping his team maintain its lead. So despite the fact that rookie call up Chad Smith in his first ever game came up, into the game after the A's had taken the lead, he is the pitcher who got the win. Are you okay with the official score going a little bit to a, to an obscure rule to take the win away from Familia and
3: give it to uh, the, the rookie Chad Smith? Hundred percent okay with that. Yes, those dems the rules dems as, as the they rules. say. <laughs> so yeah, if if the if Familia was not effective and didn't deserve the win, he went two thirds of an inning. He allowed a run on two hits. I would suggest that, uh, yeah, Smith, who goes two innings, two scoreless innings with three strikeouts. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I'm good with that. that that, that, He went two-thirds of an inning. Even Amelia did.
4: He went yeah. two thirds. He didn't even finish the inning. Did he? Oh, he came yeah, he, in. He, he, finished he finished the it. inning, but he no, he gave up two hits and a run. Yeah, they
6: they they, they tied it. Up, uh, the Orioles tied it up when he was on the mound. But then in the Rock. in the next half inning, they take the lead before Chad Smith comes in.
4: Now, I know. I just said don't. Just saying. Pick every. Don't go to every fight that you're invited
6: to. But we're gonna. <laughs> Battle it the up. The man didn't deserve the win. Ryan.
3: No, I'm, I'm fine. All right,
6: fine. Uh, there's also one other thing. The NFL approved new uh, helmets for quarterbacks to help reduce concussions. Oh. They say there's going to be a 7% reduction. Wonderful. <laughs> I have, I just have a – I've always wondered this, Kerry, and I have you here. It's a, it's a quarterback thing. You look like you have something to say about these, oh, these quarterback helmets. You, you go ahead, sir.
4: Quarterbacks might get hit five <laughs> times in a game. If you get sacked five times. You had a really rough day. Randy, ask me how many times I hit somebody. How many times did you hit somebody, eh, About 45, 50 times a game. That's just, <laughs> just a game. Ask me how many times quarterbacks get hit in practice, Randy. How many times do quarterbacks That would be zero. zero. Randy, zero. why the hell do I care about a quarterback getting a helmet that's going to prevent him from getting a concussion when he doesn't ever get hit?
3: Why not give, give, give a fullback a uh, helmet uh, that uh, will prevent a concussion? An offensive
4: lineman, a defensive lineman, a yeah. linebacker. Those guys hit every single play. Yeah. The people that are in the middle. See, we have a drill. Randy called 9 on play 7 it's James Harrison. Yeah, we got a drill. We call 9 on 7. This is the worst drill in all of sports. You know why Randy? Because the defense knows that it's just going to be run plays. So mm-hmm. what does the defense do? They just gear up. There's no play, no play action passes. There's no opportunity for a pass. <laughs> I got my first concussion at the University of Illinois from my great friend Michael Young in this specific drill. You know why? Because we ran power O. What is power O? I got to block the outside linebacker. The tight end blocks down. What does the outside linebacker do? He knows who's coming for him bow, right in the face. Got it. There it is. I got hit right in the face. Got a concussion and I was a little bit dazed for, for for the rest of practice. Now Randy,
3: ask me what play comes off of that play <laughs> that allows me to have success. CD, what comes off of power auto that allows you to have success?
4: Power pass, which we're not going <laughs> to run in night on seven.
3: And guess who knows that? The defense!
4: <laughs> you telling me about a damn helmet for a quarterback? Man, I
3: sat there for 20 minutes talking to my coach not even knowing that I was talking to my coach I think you can take solace in this thought not necessarily a fact you can tell me if it's a fact or not that there were probably some other concussions that Mike Young delivered to other people Randy (laughs) let me tell you something this is a true
4: story (laughs) not a lie Mike Young hit one of my teammates in high school. He was at East, I was at Central. He hit one of my teammates in high school so hard, he broke his helmet. Oh and Mike gosh. had, Mike <laughs> cut his own head, breaking that young man's, he broke, and, and the, the guy was, he, man, he broke his own, he broke my helmet, look at him. Mike would hit people and have no remorse for you. He didn't care how you felt, he didn't care who you were. It was his job to cause, to inflict pain on others, and
3: he did it very well. Imagine a brick wall being able to run like a four, five, forty. That's Mike because he's he is a brick wall. Mike
4: is a, a large large human being. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a 240 two hundred and forty pound outside linebacker that in nine on seven knows there aren't any passes. And as a true freshman my first or second nine on seven having to block him and
5: uh, it didn't go well for him. You know, you? you know what the NFL cares about the most. It's a quarterback league. That's They've right. got to yeah. protect Just their tell precious
4: me, th- Tell me when things. you give helmets to offensive
6: linemen and defensive linemen and linebackers and fullbacks. That was the point I was going to make. F- figure out a helmet that lessens the CTE impact from the continuous little hits every play in and play out. That's when it's news. Can I give you a, a, a tidbit of information? Mm. There
4: ain't one.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and pro tip, if you ever do run a across michael young great guy great guy
4: <laughs> just yeah, give a fist it, fist bump. <laughs> don't, don't, don't don't shake his hand, shake his hand. <laughs> especially if you don't have large
3: strong hands he might break
4: a, a finger yeah. uh, one of we'll those small else. bones in your
3: hand love you yeah. mike my we guy love you, michael.
4: uh
3: Matthew rocky our producer engineer great job thank you pleasure brooke this was great it was. Get some new headphones today. I like the stock shape look. I do.
5: But. It's just, they're just, they're hanging on. it. We need that song, like, hanging on a prayer. Yeah. Like, this is just,
3: It's, it's yeah. holding on. CD. CD. Oh, My And we've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us. Thanks for tuning in, texting, in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right.